content that is struggling very hard to find content in this post-corona hellverse out there. Uh, well, that last Ryan. Uh, it's not post-corona. It's it not post-corona. Current, current yeah. corona. Post We're the still beginning. in the rona. Post the beginning of corona. So, so what I said was... Who knew that the entire country was a hell mouth? <laughs> Who knew? It's a real crossover. Uh, this is episode 202. Uh, I am Brandon T. McClure. With me, as always, in this hellmouth is Ben Magnet. Yep, I'm here. Uh, Ryan Eliopoulos. It's me. Hello. It's Sparks Woody. Back from it's his me. vacation. Yeah, I'm back. I'm so pumped. I got all caught up on the news. I am ready to talk about Halo Infinite. I'm ready to talk about Hellstrom. I'm ready to talk about what? Ooh. Oh. Oh. oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> I got some bad news about this week, dude. Oh, no! <laughs> I guess I'm wildly underprepared. How was your trip? My trip was great. Um, my trip was fantastic. Uh, I very responsibly and safely traveled with two other couples that are very close friends of ours who are also responsible and safe. Um, all of us had some amount of testing in the past like couple weeks right before we went, um, and we're all clear. So uh, we all knew, we all like did our grocery grabbing before we went because first off, there's like no town near where we went. Uh, mm-hmm. This is called Twin Lakes. It's up near Bridgeport uh, in Twin Northern Lakes? California. What? Twin Lakes. Oh man. Yeah. Um, and once you leave Brid- Bridgeport to go up there for about 30 minutes uh, drive, there's no cell service or anything. Um, so uh, I was totally, we were all totally away from the internet, which I got to tell you was was wonderful, I uh, super wonderful. I had no idea what was happening related to coronavirus or Trump uh, as I was gone. It, it, and I couldn't even have the choice of looking. Um, I've never spent that little time on my phone in like years. It was so nice. Um, we all need to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel partially bad that I had such an opportunity when I feel like everyone deserves such an opportunity, especially people who have been working like like Mr. Ben Magnet, who has shaved his face, I've just noticed. Um, <laughs> good, good job, Ben. Thank you. What, um, was it like, what was it like getting my text when you got back of like, hey, I just binged two seasons of Adventure Time. I mean, it was funny because you did that like three hours after I entered no cell reception. Right. That's when you texted me and I'm like, oh. Well, that didn't take long at all because it showed up when I got out of back into cell reception. It's like he did that Thursday, three hours after I was gone. Or just like a wall yeah, of yeah. no internet. There was there were thirty five messages. I was honestly expecting more from the fake nerd thread. I was surprised with how few messages I actually had to go through to to catch up with you guys. Uh, I listened to the episode on my drive back on Monday. Sure. You guys were great. Uh, hey, thanks, nice man. Thing. Give it a like and a review. Thing. Five star. Hey, hey, like, I uh, yeah, I thought you guys did a great job. Uh, it was really nice because it was it was such an easy way for me to get a quick catch up on Xbox and Comic Con at home because I didn't see it. Um, so that was really awesome. I watched all the Xbox game trailers when I came home, um, but uh, it was really great. Uh, we the, the it was a cabin setup, so we're very far. They're private cabins. One of uh, the people we traveled with, close close family, uh, it, their family owns a cabin there. So we're totally like away from other people right by a lake. Um, it was very nice. It felt very like safe uh, doing our own thing. Um, yeah, it was really, really nice. I guess I can go into my week since I'm talking. Go so ahead. Much. 
I'll just I'll just go ahead and do that. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was that was really nice. Uh, we we only had one thing where we hiked. Hello from Japan. Oh, hello, uh, ah. hey, Titus. Hi there. Uh, we only had one time where we were we went on like a, a three mile hike, three miles one way, three miles the other way. Uh, and when we got to the end, we just stopped at like a campground to use the restroom. And uh, exactly the kind of people you don't really want to see during this kind of time are the people who are at that campground. People <laughs> with Trump tense flags on their RVs and things like oh. that. Uh, yeah, so, and not wearing masks and just wandering around. We're like, okay, we're going to be here for as little amount of time and as far away from people as possible. <laughs> um, but other than that, that was like our one instance of like, ooh, and then other than that, it was it was so, so great. Uh, yeah. Super good. Um, so I've kind of got like two weeks, sort of a week and a half really, to catch up on. While I was at the cabin, um, we watched two movies. I've seen both of them, but I'm going to make note of them because uh, one was Cabin in the Woods. Of nice. Uh, and that movie holds up so well. Uh, cool. Such a such a joy to still watch. Uh, I was very happy to watch again. And we also watched Midsommar um, because it was by request of others that were there. Uh, that was my second time watching that. And uh, it, it that's because that was my first time doing another viewing of it. I did pick up on some more things and just not surprising. So uh, that's just well worth a second viewing and probably third or fourth viewing as well. Mm -hmm. uh, still super enjoy that. Um, I watched some more Craig of the Creek. I'm slowly catching up on my cartoons, and that's one of them. Mm -hmm. um, Megan and I revisited a show that we started before we moved, and then we dropped off during the move. And so we finally went back and finished it, which is Fleabag. Um, okay. Like the Waller Bridge. If you haven't watched it, it's really easy to watch the whole series. It is two seasons, six episodes each, 20 minutes long. Uh, each episode. Wow. It's basically two long movies, and that's it. They're not making any more. That is it. Um, by choice. Uh, Phoebe Wallbridge said that that's, and the ending is perfect. And she said that's that's exactly where we want to leave the story. Um, wonderful. Uh, cannot tell you how much I love that show. That show is incredible. Um, because of that, we decided to start watching Killing Eve with Sandra oh, okay. o, which is a show that Phoebe Wallbridge is writing on. And that's also been a joy. We're about three episodes into that. Hello, Meg. Uh, doing that. Hey, Meg. Um, Hello. So I, I did. That's where I dipped into a lot of television stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan and I caught up on Doom Patrol. Uh, two what? episodes down. Oh, baby, that show is so good. Only one episode left this season, and I am sad to see it go, but it's so good. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, of course, I'm going to uh, make. Really quick note of uh, I watched by your Twitter recommendation Maggie Mayfish's Zack Snyder analysis videos. Got another oh, one, boy! If you haven't watched those yet, watch those. Uh, they crystallized something, some things that I already kind of was thinking about Zack Snyder's film, specifically about Superman. And I'm like, yep, that's it. That's the that's exactly it. That's the problem. And that also made me see some things that I've never thought of before because I never thought of Zack Snyder's films as a collective whole. And yeah. Maggie Pish, especially in their sec in her second video, we're all dead. We're already dead. Presents a concept where I'm like, wow, I think I hate the ideology behind all of Zack Snyder's filmmaking. So I watched the same ones thanks to Ryan's recommendation. Yeah. Um, and I uh, I had a similar thought where I was just like, oh man, I think I hate him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate him. I just I hate. I hate his whole mindset about what he's trying to say with his movies yes. at its core. I hate that. I don't hate him as a person, but I hate that. 
and it, it really just brings me back to the idea of I wish he was just a cinematographer. Yeah. Because yeah. he's got such a beautiful eye, it's undeniable. Yeah. Uh, but I do not think he should be the director of things because he he thematically pushes ideas that that I think are really toxic. Uh, I, specifically, uh, specifically, like any male character that shows empathy is yeah. killed, uh, is punished, punished yeah. for it. Uh, that's terrible. Batman v Superman has a line: "Maybe nobody stays good in this world forever." I know, I know, and I, 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 I always knew that was a problem, but this like grandiose that out to yeah. oh, it's like a really big problem. Um, I, I really, I really liked, I really liked Dawn of the Dead. Uh, well, I, I like it. It's a good movie. I think it's remake of Dawn of the Dead. It can have problems. That's all good. Yeah. yeah, I think that movie is pretty good. Um, I didn't know that James Gunn actually did not write the shooting script. He wrote the first draft. Right. Yeah. And I learned that from that video, and I was very, I was very surprised because I was like, "Yeah, I, the, the James Gunness comes out in that movie, and I like that part of it." But there is something else in that movie that he added that wasn't in that original script because she did the analysis of about the scripts. Uh, that was yeah. very interesting. Uh, the, the the breakdown of like why is the zombie apocalypse happening in this movie? Yes, and it being because you're bad Christians is like, oh, because I haven't honestly I haven't seen that movie in years, and I'm like, man, that really is. A harsh reading. Yeah. It doesn't come off very overtly. I think it's more a thing like you do look into it, but the fact that like that it's there at all. Like if you want to try to say something, like try to try to do something positive. Like, yeah. but he thinks this is positive, and that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> you punish people who will try to help people, and you make the jerk offs go out in a blaze of glory, and they're the heroes. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's like Maggie Mae Fish. I'm looking forward to more because she. I think she does a wonderful job of explaining. Like, this is why. I think it's so frustrating to see people laud Zack Snyder as some film visionary revolutionary. And he really, really isn't. Um, anybody who does any amount of film analysis can tell you, um, but this is a really good example, broad stroking why. Um, it also crystallized for me that Guardians of Gahul is absolutely my favorite Zack Snyder film uh, because <laughs> that one is the least problematic and best. And nobody remembers it because it's the least Zack Snyder. I remember it. Well, no, I love it. Zack Snyder fans don't remember it. Oh, well, for sure, for sure. That, that's I was, fine because I also saw that movie. I saw that movie in theaters. I freaking yeah. love it. Me too. Yeah, because I I liked his other movies. Um, I just want you guys real quick. I I got discovered by uh, Megan Mithish. She made videos called uh, Daddies in Film. So you guys should watch her two parters of Daddies in Film because it's very funny. Her, very funny. Her her list of stuff is now on on my docket because yeah. I'm like that was wonderful Zack Snyder analysis. I needed it. I needed a reason to go, this is why I hate the Snyder cult. Yeah. Not Snyder fans, the cult. Yes. Yes. Um, which are two different things, and it's becoming clearer and clearer every day. I was, uh, uh, real, real quickly, I, I kind of had this moment watching this, and I was like, you know what? Because I've been thinking, spoiler alert for the podcast, whatever, uh, I've been thinking for a long time about doing video essays. Um, right. Just some uh, for our channel. And after watching that, so I was like, I'll never make anything as smart as this. You have to, I'm, just, you have to, I'm just not that intelligent. I'm, I'll talk to it. This was not her first video. She's been making videos for years and years and years. Practice makes perfect. Go watch her first video. Hey, our first podcast, podcast wasn't that good. So like I'm just saying, no, but I mean, say like, that her analysis comes from a place that I just don't have that knowledge. I'm just uh, not as intelligent as this person. That's all I'm, that's okay, what I'm saying. But, but the research. other thing is like, if you're passionate enough about it, you can find a way to research in and you'll find your angle because yeah. you don't have to have the same kind of 
analysis. I also will shout out real quick. I love her prologue to the Zack Snyder stuff where she explains that this is not for the Snyder cultists as she's doing a makeup tutorial and as she applies each level of makeup, she's explaining how film analysis works. It's and I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Um, okay. So I plug that hardcore. Uh, that really sums up a lot of my feelings about Zack Snyder stuff. Wonderfully, especially Watchmen. Woof. Okay. Uh, I. Oh my had, God. I ne Yeah, Watchmen. That was great. Uh, I had the pleasure of uh, going to see Hook, uh, which I love, at a drive-in um, earlier this week, uh, thanks to uh, tickets through my uh, film's school. Uh, sorry, my school's film program and they were able to give us uh, free passes in. Um, that was really cool. One, I've never seen Hook on a big screen. And two, I haven't seen Hook since Robin Williams passed away. Um, mm -hmm. And I, lo I loved that movie. Uh, I still love that movie. And, and the thing is, like, I really tried, because since the last time I saw Hook, I've heard a lot more of, like, the more detailed reasons why people don't like Hook or think it's bad. Or, I, and I'm trying to understand why Steven Spielberg thinks it's bad. And to be honest with you, I sat there and I was watching it and I'm like, I, I know where there's laziness in some of these things or some points are confusing, like the way they handle Tinkerbell becoming big and the concepts behind it. But at the same time, I'm like, this honestly, of all the film adaptations I've seen, and I've seen many of the Peter Pan film adaptation things, whether they're loose or direct pan, the Disney one. This is the only one that I think truly feels like it echoes J.M. Barry's book. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels 100% like it is in canon to that book, playing with the same themes as that book, and none of the others do that as true as this one does. Uh, also, because everything is so practical, it looks so good still. Like, incredible. Tinkerbell's mm -hmm. effects as a small person sitting on, like, uh, Peter's hat still looks great. I can't, I can't spot a flaw. It's so good. Um, I, I think that there are like, you know, but I also think that Spielberg was making a family film that was very true to the novel, uh, the original book. And I, I think overall Hook gets more flack than it deserves. I don't think by any means it's a bad film. Yeah. You know why uh, there's a song, you know why there's a song in it? Uh, why the little girl sings a song? Uh, I think I know this story, but I think I forgot. Uh, John Williams initially wrote it as a musical. It was supposed to be right. a stage musical. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's why you have the weird, which is funny because there is a Peter Pan stage musical and they sing a song in the beginning like they're doing a Peter Pan stage musical and that song doesn't exist anywhere else, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, so that's my little hook plug. Uh, you guys will notice real quick, just behind Ryan, um, I finally put up my new computer. Oh, uh, shiny. It is going to be a long process. It's big. It is going to be a long process of getting that 100% like up and running as my main, uh, mostly because of heat. Mm -hmm. uh, the old computer still gets overheated pretty quickly when I'm trying to transfer things out, but I'm on the way, uh, which means video stuff is going to be so much faster, uh, which is yeah. wonderful. Uh, we all played a lot of Dead by Daylight. That's nothing new. Um, yeah, that's nothing new. We started Umbrella Academy, uh, season two. Nice. Are you I'm an umbrella. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Really loving it. I'm sure we're going to talk about it somewhere else. I haven't, uh, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet because uh, Zara uh, wanted to watch it with me, but she hadn't seen season one. So she's going through season one actually right now in the other room, and then we'll, we'll probably gotcha. start it next week. That's perfect. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about it somewhere else soon, so I'm going to save most of those thoughts. But we did start it. Um, I watched the first episode of Muppets Now. 
I am sorely disappointed to tell you I don't really like it. Oh, oh. it's too bad. Um, did it, did anyone else check this out yet? Not I haven't yet. had a chance to yet. Uh, it's, so here's the thing. It, it's not that it's bad. Um, it's just, it's exactly what I feared it would be, which is that it feels just like a episode version of put clamming, uh, combining sketches that they were doing on YouTube already. Like a variety show? Uh, no, more like uh, if you did a, a did a compilation video of like the best of the Muppets oh, YouTube okay. videos. But it, that's what it feels like is you're just kind of moving from... So the whole framing device is that you're watching it as Scooter's uploading it on the computer, which is already kind of weird because most people are going to be watching this through television. Yeah. Uh, already a little weird that they format it as a computer upload thing. Um, but then it is just these, like, here's a YouTube video, here's a YouTube video, here's a YouTube video, and here's a YouTube video. And I'm like, some of them, some of them are, are, some of them have funnier moments than others, and some of them are really solid. And for kids, I also think it's super good. Um, but I think that every YouTube video I've seen the Muppets do individually, I've liked more than anything I saw in this, because I think they put more time into it. And this is just not the show I wanted. I did not want the things they're doing on YouTube, but a show. I wanted something closer to Muppets Tonight or the original Muppet show. Uh, and this is not that. Uh, frankly, at this moment, it's one episode, but I liked at least the ambition behind the Muppets ABC show more than I like this. Uh, this doesn't yeah. feel this doesn't feel like anything to me that's going to make new fans of the Muppets. Sure. Which is what I think they need right now. Yeah, uh, that's too bad. I... I will, I will praise that they maintain continuity from the Muppets movie up to the ABC show to this. So, Max uh, says she uh, they draw they saw a drive-in too. Oh, nice! They're popping. Um, pop, drive-ins are are cool. Um, uh, they they maintain that continuity because like uh um, what's his name? Uh, the the creepy blue one. I forget his name. I'm so bad. Did I don't know. know. Uh, deadly. Yeah, Deadly. Yeah, thank you. God, it was right there. I was going to say creepy. Um, deadly is still Piggy's assistant uh, from oh, the yeah. ABC show. Um, everything that happened kind of on the ABC show as far as like the dy dynamic of how the Muppets work as a as a working cast carries over. Okay. Um, but the other thing, I, I just want to spotlight this real quick. Uh, the gimmick of having the guests is the most like basic Muppet gimmick that I think we've seen every time, which is where they're on there and they're kind of just like constantly praising the Muppets and the Muppets are being quirky and weird. And they're just kind of throwing it at like, Oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's funny. But like, it's the guests aren't allowed to play uh, at least this mm. first episode. We've got Linda Cardellini and RuPaul and neither of them are really allowed to play. It's all about, like, the Muppets doing gags to them and then being like, it's so great to be around the Muppets. And it's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But <laughs> can we let yeah. them do something? Um, so that that kind of is a bummer of it, too. Uh, I hate to say I'm a little deflated on it. Because uh, I love the Muppets. Real quickly, uh, voice of Kermit, yay or nay? How are you feeling about him? I've, I've been watching the, the social media stuff ever since Kermit changed, so I'm pretty used to it at this point. Um, mm -hmm. He's still not my preferred Kermit, but I don't think he's bad at Hashtag this point. not my Kermit. Um, he doesn't really do the, the, the Jim Henson voice. You know, the last guy tried to mimic Jim Henson's voice as best he could, but the, he's not he's, really doing it. He's trying to be somewhere in between. 
I don't know that that's a good idea. I do yeah. think he sounds better now than when he first started. Yeah, I'll give it that. I think he sounds better now. Um, you kind of just get an ear for it after a certain point. Uh, it's it's hard. Uh, yeah. the, the whole situation is just kind of, it's rough. Um, anyway, yeah. that's that's my reporting about Muppets now. Anyway, uh, last things are, I read some comics. I did read Wonder Woman Earth 1 Volume 1. Um, I started that in earlier today. In. That was really good. Right. Uh, sorry, I couldn't talk about that with you guys, but that was really cool. good. Cool, so now when I pick the sequel, you, could, uh, you don't have to do double duty. That's correct. I will not be doing double duty. But now here's my big one. Uh, during this entire time, a little bit while I was at the cabin because I downloaded some to my iPad, but mostly ever since I got back, I reread all, I sorry, I read all of Dawn of X because I decided to go back to the beginning because I never, I fell off pretty early in. And so I decided to just go back. So I read 10 issues of X-Men, 11 issues of New Mutants, six issues of Fallen Angels. It didn't get better. Incoming, four issues of X-Men Fantastic Four, three issues of Wolverine, three issues of Giant Size X-Men, uh, 10 issues of Marauders, 10 issues of Excalibur, 10 issues of X-Force, two issues of Hellions, two issues of Cable, one issue of Empire X-Men, and one issue of X-Factor, 73 issues in total. I went through all Donna X, baby, and it's so good. <laughs> I love you. I, You're my roommate. I love you. Be my roommate. <laughs> I uh, I also read. I didn't read all of the Dawn of X titles that I'm not behind on. I have. I think I have X Men. I, I have X Men and one other ones. But I read Hellions, Empire X Men. Uh, Ryan, you texted me about Empire X Men. I picked it up the next day. That book rules. I'm glad the opening of Empire X Men is not what I thought it was going to be. Wait, the, the the tie-in separate issue or X Men Ten? The the, the, the tie-in separate okay. issue. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with 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 the Scarlet Witch. Oh yeah, sorry. With Doctor, yeah. Yeah, Doctor Strange. Yeah. 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 With the oh, Pretender. Yeah, I, I, that's some good. Oh shit. yeah. That was. Some I don't know. Shit. I don't know how that book ended up on my pull list, but it did because Ryan was um, kind of. Because uh, I even debated buying it for you, but because uh, you're picking up the the regular X Men book, this uh -huh. is technically like part of the X Men titles. So like, I did. I did the same thing for the Sister. Uh, it it does seem like I, I was going to say this. Like having read Dawn of X, I. I I understand why people didn't read Fallen Angels and everything. I feel like you are seriously missing out if you are only reading one or two titles out of the X-Men. You kind of need to read the whole whole collection to get the full picture of what's going on with Krakoa and all its various avenues and nooks really, and crannies. I have really debated that. So I read, I've got six of the titles. I think six of the titles the X -Factor? now. The X-Factor? I have X-Factor, yes. I haven't read X-Factor okay, yet, but I have it. So horny. Um, so I, I kind of look at it like I've been I've been thinking about it like I've read six of them. I, I just can't keep picking them up, all of them. But then every time I see the solicitations for the Dawn of X trades, I'm like, is that the way that I should be reading them is in these trades? No. Uh, for the first volume, yes. But but after that, it, they are very much still telling their own stories, mentioning other stuff. But reading them, issue one here, issue one here, issue one here, that's not good storytelling i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you that i read it all these issues the dawn of x way what's the dawn of x way the the trades that you're talking about okay what like so you read all the issues, issues ones all so the, the dawn of x issues are the issues as they're cataloged in the back but you're so when it says like this order this order yeah. yeah yeah one issue i was okay. hopping around the okay. whole time uh it works yeah it works okay. uh it does work it does make sense it does feel fluid it does Here's the thing. Here's the linchpin that made me feel like, no, I think this actually does work really well. New Mutants. Yeah. Because New Mutants from issue to issue jumps around too. Yeah. Uh, because it jumps between those two different factions of the team. That really cements to me like, 
what it helps you to see is like these things are happening at the same time uh concurrently mm -hmm. and uh i i can see the value in reading um uh like the full six issues of a trade of marauders and all that but the other thing is that even where the trades break at the six issues i don't think that they cleanly end in mark necessarily they're still going on mm -hmm. so it still feels like ah, just be in the mess be in all of the krakoa thing yeah. i think that it helped that i was reading it all within a week mm -hmm. uh i i do think that that helps but personally i didn't get lost i actually felt helped because someone would show up from a different comic i'd be like oh i just saw you i know why you're showing up here because you were just doing this da, 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 da. i understand why fallen angels i understand why sinister is so into psylocke and all this shit because i read the rest of fallen angels i wished so badly that book had gotten better yeah i, I wish i could tell you that that book way. got better i'm glad it's only six issues yeah i i so wanted it to get better because i'm like i'm interested Hellions. in the concept of psylocke Hellions is the book that 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 book should have been there is one part i agree with you there is however there is one part of fallen angels i believe it's the beginning of issue five where psylocke has uh an imaginary encounter with betsy mm -hmm. and it's basically her acknowledging i can't hate you but i cannot forgive you right now mm -hmm. um i can't i can't be near you i can't be this kind of thing and she's kind of like acknowledging that there's some kinship there but she cannot address yes. it. Remember, she's like, friends, but she is acknowledging that she needs to drop her hate. Yeah, this is Because remember, friends, Psylocke is not Betsy anymore. Psylocke is Quanin. Betsy Braddock is is Captain Britain. You right. gotta remember that. Because Psylocke's not Psylocke anymore. Exactly, exactly. And so that's why like I wanted Fallen Angels to be so much better. Because like yeah. that one moment, I was like, this is what I want this whole book to be about. And it's not, yeah. but I wish it was. Yeah, so what, what I was what I was basically just like I keep debating after I read each issue, or I'm just like, should I just drop all these and just start picking the trades? And I I, I just I, I just wonder about that that financially, but I'm already so deep in them. I'm like, I'll just try hard not to pick up Wolverine or any of the others. So Dude, Wolverine up. is so good. Wolverine this, is so good. This is the thing, Brandon. Like I'm being 100 percent honest with you. Outside of Fallen Angels, they're all quality. There are no I, bad I understand. I understand that, but you gotta realize. My pull list is now three pages, thanks to so the X-Men. Here's the thing. You're telling me that you, that all three pages of those books, you love all of those books? There's not books you put at the bottom of the pile and you don't read them weeks later? Not anymore. Okay, uh, that's, here's, that's crazy. Thanks to, thanks to, thanks to the X-Men, they they, the X-Men have now pulled in pulled in half my 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 uh, my, my like monthly book. Those only 10 books. Yeah. And, and, uh, so now, and so now, because I love all those and I love all the ones I'm reading, like there's not a bad book in my bunch right now. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, like the, the, the honest truth is whether you start picking them up as the single issues, trades, whatever, you're going to eventually want to read this whole picture. You're going to want it. Um, it's, it's very informative. Uh, they are fleshing out all the characters so well. And it, I have never felt like any of the main two companies, DC or Marvel has done something where it feels so much like the writers are talking to each other, that they are aware of what each other is doing that they are working collaboratively to tell a greater story while working with their individual characters, that they're willing to share their ideas with each other so much. It's so very clear. It feels like its own collective little universe. I got a question. It's then. impressive. Brandon, what are you going to do for House? What are you going to do for Ten of Swords? Because every book's included. I've already committed to buying all the Ten of Swords books. All right, cool. There's it's already, Trade, it's already, it's already my pull list. Did you read, uh, did you read Incoming? You did? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Incoming, if you haven't read it, is worth going back and reading. From last year. Uh, it's yeah. part of the lead up to Empire, but there's also some really good X-Men specific stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's my, I did a lot of that. I did a lot of reading. I'm glad, it makes me so happy. Next on my list, catching up on Nick Spencer, Spider-Man. Go, <laughs> uh, because I'm right next to him. Okay, uh, I'll go, I didn't do a whole lot. Um, I played a little bit of Destroy All Humans, I just wanted to point that out. I uh, just got the PS4 yeah. remake of Destroy All Humans. Just as fun as I remember. Good. Even yeah. more fun than you remember? No, about as fun as I remember. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's it. The problems of that of that original game persist in this remake. You know, it's a pretty faithful remake, uh, for better or worse. Um, I, I think you know the fact that they did it so faithfully is a good thing, personally. Um, but you know, there's still there's still loading screens that I'm not used to anymore. Um, there's a there's a lot of a uh, it's pretty dated still. Not necessarily the story, but the gameplay, how the game works. Yeah. It's it's pretty sure. dated now. Yeah, um, it's not. It's not a. It's not a. Um, top to bottom. Top to bottom remake. Yeah, it's it is yeah. a super good looking remaster, basically. Yeah. No, it is um, a remake. I think it is. It, it is a top to bottom remake, but done incredibly faithfully. Yeah. Just not doing anything different. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's a lot of fun. You know, yeah. you, you pop it on. You. You blow, you, you kill some people in 1950s America. Hey, it's budget price, right? Yeah. Okay, good. That's then we're good. Um, so I'm like, I don't know, maybe like an hour into that. We'll see. We'll see if I see how far I go. Oh, by the way, I got a wearing a downright nerdy shirt. That's how you do this. Uh, yeah. Downright nerdy, wrapping you guys. Um, I caught up completely on Blockbuster podcast. There's seven episodes out, not including the bonus episodes. Um, which are also really good. The bonus episodes, real quickly, have consisted of uh, interviews with people who knew James Cameron as children and are still currently friends with James Cameron. Roger Corman, the the his, his James Cameron's first film employer, um, and then an archived thing of when the Titanic was discovered. Uh, and I found that to be very fascinating to see, like all the like, the news pulled from when the Titanic was discovered and kind of the the idea of, like. Well, what do we do with all the money that's down there? Who owns that? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and I did not know about that. Apparently, like the scientist who discovered uh, the Titanic was like, uh, he, he's going to commission the uh, uh, petition the UN to make it a memorial site. It belongs in a museum. Yeah, essentially, he's like, leave it down there and make it a memorial so nobody can like expunge can it. it down there, right. like scuba dive and be like a tourist resort. Yeah, and like cool. all the all the people. Like the Titanic. company who, the company who built the Titanic was like, we don't own it anymore. When it sank, we wrote it off as a loss, and we don't own it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So that like essentially what they're trying to be like, uh, you know, think it's just good that like the news, all the news articles are like, all the news broadcasts are like, will you try to raise the Titanic? It's like that doesn't make any sense. We're not gonna do that. First of all, right. that ship is on the way on the bottom floor of the North Atlantic Ocean. You well, can't they, raise that sucker up. They've well, done it before. Uh, they can. We definitely can. We can. Oh, oh yeah. for sure. It, it was a big. It was a big deal. It was a big deal to try to figure out like if we do we raise it or do we keep it down there as a memorial? And then right now it is it is a memorial. That's what it yeah. is right now. Okay. Um, so. Uh, but anyway, back to the actual narrative of the podcast. I think that show is incredible. Um, and I think that everybody should be listening to it. 
this episode, this season has a lot of sponsorships, which is kind of great. Um, the fact that they've been able to, to, to kind of get better, kind of get more notoriety. Um, you know, they call it like what the, the first, uh, biopod instead of biopic, uh, Ross, Ross Marquand, uh, Red Skull as James Cameron is great. Uh, as Jim Cameron, he's pitch perfect. He sounds just like him. Um, I think that show is, is, is so wonderful and kind of getting a lot of insight into James Cameron. It doesn't really pull a lot of punches. Jim, Jim Cameron's an asshole. Uh, he can be an asshole and that, and they don't, they don't shy away from that. Um, is Catherine Bigelow in there to give any shit how bad James Cameron is? In the last episode, we were just introduced to Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow is his ex-wife, also direct, the director of like Near Dark and uh, Hurt, Locker. Um, Hurt Locker, and, and won an Oscar before he did or something, and everyone laughs at him for it. Don't watch it. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Okay, so fun fact, real quickly, there is a movie called Titanic 2, where the Titanic does, be, get, does get raised from the ocean floor due to ghosts and powers the eastern seaboard. I think it's like an asylum movie, maybe. I like the knockoff, like, like Transformers movies. Yeah. Did you guys ever watch Ghost Ship? Yeah, that movie, that yeah. opening one of the best openings That ever. opening is so good. That's it, though. That is it, though. <laughs> um, I do know there exists two Titanic animated films, and both are just as bad. One's called Titanic, with an E. I got oh, good boy. news for you. There exists a Thumbtanic. <laughs> okay, that's a parody, though, so that's acceptable. Yeah, but I just, I'm saying it's good news. Yeah. You can go watch Thumbtanic. Which is the, personally my preferred way to watch James Cameron's Titanic. And since we're talking about James Cameron's versus Titanic, Dragon Force did do a pretty kick-ass cover of My Heart Will Go On. We are not talking about James Cameron versus Titanic. That is a different movie. What? Is that the you sequel said, that was the volcano? You said versus the Titanic. It sounded like it, at least. You're going to punch that metal shit. Um, so we just got to the point, speaking of Titanic, we just got to the point in the story where James Cameron, Cameron is developing the Titanic and kind of the undersea stuff that he did to develop that. Um, seeing how he kind of gets beaten by the studio system, seeing his dad be very disapproving, even up until like Aliens was a huge hit. Um, and his relationship with Gail, uh, Catherine, and now Linda, Linda Hamilton. Uh, I think that show is fantastic. Just as good as that first season, if not better. I, I don't know what you do for the next season, uh, Peter Jackson? I don't know. Um, I, got, I got an alternative. Instead of going so big in scope, you do Robert Rodriguez, who is one of the best filmmakers in terms of budget and scheduling. People love working with him because he always comes in under budget. All his actors love him. Studios love him. Uh, make it about Robert Rodriguez, an actual great filmmaker no one talks about. Well, I was that because I was thinking the same. Really? I was just looking at like who who would put, fit like a blockbuster filmmaker and Robert Rodriguez. Uh, Spy Kids is pretty good. Let's Except try. for four. Except for four. Four can go rot in a ditch. I didn't see it. I, was too, I think I was too grown, maybe. I, I, um, I definitely was. Yeah, so I think that, that podcast is great. Uh, I, I have linked it below. I like it so much. If you guys have, if you guys are watching this, listening to this, if you have not seen it, if you have not listened to it, uh, link in the description. Please check it out. Um, okay, random question. Was it Spy Kids one or two where Steve Buscemi says, do you think God stays in heaven because he feels too? Okay. <laughs> Didn't even need to finish the question. Didn't even need to finish the question. Everyone was like, Steve That's Buscemi is in two Spy Kids movies. It's two and three. So, Okay. Uh, he's only in the end of three. He, he's in the yeah, end of it. Everybody everybody cameos in the end of three because they do like them on a green screen, just like 
hopping in and being like, I'll also fight. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not even oh, Alita Gatlina. Not James oh. Cameron. Robert Rodriguez, Robert, though. Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. See? See? Mm-hmm. All right. We like we Alita, right? Yeah. Yeah, we oh, like Alita. I really, I, like I really liked Alita, except for the game is on. I think uh, I yeah, think yeah. it is. I think it is fine. Um, I also caught up on. I talked about it last week, but I, I caught up completely on the five episodes of Primal. Uh, Gabby Tartakovsky's Primal. There is a sixth episode that tar- that Adult Swim released for for um, uh, April Fools. Can't find that legally online, so I have not seen that yet. Um, but HBO Max does have the first five episodes, which is season one. Uh, that show is excellent. That show is excellent. I mean, hell yeah! That that animated that animation is beautiful. Uh, it's so masterfully done. I love it. I love it. And the last episode ended on such a tearjerker. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I am I am gonna quick tangent off that because somebody reminded me of something I'd forgotten about for a very long time. Uh, a friend posted that they just found this DVD in their collection. They gave it a watch and they posted pictures and the screen claps caps and everything. And I'm like, man. I forgot what this movie looked like. And it's Hercules and Xena, the battle for Mount Olympus. And I forgot how much that animation looks like Tartakovsky's. Yeah. It looks so much like Tartakovsky's. What the yeah. hell? <laughs> that, I remember that, that one being pretty rad. I remember the commercials for that one. Yeah, yeah I love that uh, they just went, you know what? We want to do something that's so crazy and high budget, we can't do it on television, so let's make an animated movie. That's, yeah. that's literally the dream, absolutely. Let's make everything you don't need. Let's make it animated. And it was dope. It was dope. And then I, then I, my last thing I'll talk about is I, I, besides reading some comics, I read, you know, the Dawn of X titles. I think that's it. Doesn't matter. Um, I organized my DVDs and my comics, but I also watched uh, Andy Samberg's new film, Palm Springs. Yeah, I want to do that. On Hulu. Um, guys, I have yet to see a bad time loop movie. That movie's excellent. Yeah, I've heard it's that, good, man. That movie is... Is that, is that a trope that cannot be beat? I don't know. So far? Yes, it cannot be beat. Because everything that's... Like, Russian Doll, I haven't seen, but I hear it's really good. Uh, and then all the ones we know. Yeah. Like, Both like Happy Death Days? Um, yeah, the, the idea of bringing in more than one person into the time loop, uh, worked very well and is a lot of fun, uh, really brings new life into this whole thing. Kind of the romantic comedy. It's very funny. Andy Samberg's great. Uh, the mother from How I Met Your Mother. I'm so sorry. I forgot your name. Uh, but she is great. Thank you. Uh, she's great. JK Simmons is great. The movie's so much fun. It was such a breath of fresh air kind of, cause you know, with movies not really coming out and having something come out on, on Hulu that was so good. And you're just kind of like, wow, that was, that's a, that's a fun time. If you feel like going to the drive-ins, Palm Springs is playing at drive-ins. That is true. So is it playing at the drive-in in Palm Springs though? If it's not, it should be burned down. I don't know, but, but it's like a tiki right over here. <laughs> it's no, crazy because drive-ins have been like going out of business and now they're never been more popular. Like, yeah. yeah. That's almost like good karma. Guys, we're all going to go see Bill and Ted 3 together at a drive-in. I'm down. <laughs> Look, I love you guys. I'm not driving an hour to Chino just to sit in my to. car. You don't need to. You only have to drive a half hour to go to the Vineland drive-in, which is halfway between us. Exactly halfway between us. I checked because that's where I saw Hook. And we can all sit together. And we can all watch we it. We can all sit together separately. 
in our separate we cars. We together in our own cars. Yeah, yeah, roll down our windows, and I'll have a glove on, and I'll throw a piece of popcorn over to you guys. It's going to be so cute. Man, that's depressing. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, uh, anyway, that's what I, I highly recommend that movie. The movie is awesome. I cannot praise the movie enough. That's all I got. All I had time for this week. Who wants to go next? Me. Let me get the two Sony first party exclusives out of the way again. I played more of The Last of Us Part 2 and Ghost, excuse me, Singular Ghost, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I was, I think I sounded pretty harsh on The Last of Us 2. That's only the story. I want to get that out of the way. The gameplay is the best Naughty Dog gameplay that's ever had. It still looks phenomenal. If this was game of the year, I will not be mad about it because it's a video game, right? And the stuff you play is still super fun. I'm at a part right now in the game. Um, I want to say I'm three-fourths through the game, but I don't know how time works. This is a long-ass game. So I'm more than halfway for sure, uh, and I'm really enjoying it right now. I've got introduced to some new characters that are really fun, which is a weird thing to say in The Last of Us. Um, so um, I'm, I'm back on the enjoyment uh, until something really sad happens again, probably. So Ghost of Tsushima. I was maybe a little harsh on that one, too, because I only played like an hour and a half to two hours of it. Now that I've played a lot more of it and it's opened up... Um, it, it is still a little bit samey, but uh, that game is beautiful, and some of the exploration stuff is very unique. For for, it reminds me a lot of what's the Jedi game that we played, Fallen, Fallen Order. Order. It has the exact same problem for me as Fallen Order, where it's trying to be two different games in one game. Uh, Fallen Mag, Order. Mag says real quickly, saw a premiere oh, for a tax collector at Vineland. Cool. Dude, oh, yeah. nice. Dude, trial above with that tattoo. Hell yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Fallen Order had the, it wanted to be a Dark Souls and like an open world Uncharted game, right? And yeah. for me personally, I think some of the Uncharted stuff wasn't as good as the combat. I wish they would have focused more. In this game, it's very much the same. It is it is a samurai game where it is based in samurai combat, and then it also gives you the chance to do stealth. But the problem I'm facing is um, it's very early on in the game, so this isn't a spoiler. But all the samurai is all about code and not not uh, killing people behind their backs, not you know being an assassin, not assassin's creed. Not being stealthy. Not being stealthy. There is an entire skill tree. You can dedicate your entire game to being stealthy if you want. So it's kind of hard for me to see you shunning me when you give me every option. And it's not a it's not a uh, narrative like A or B choice. It's just like, hey, don't do stealth. Samurai aren't good with stealth. And then you literally just stealth your way through the entire game and they never mention anything about it. That's mm -hmm. a problem. Uh, besides that, the the voice acting and the story, the presentation is phenomenal. Um, the, the characters are really great. There is no HUD in the game. When you're riding around, your screen is just looking at the screen. Um, the wind is your directions. It's incredible. So if you, so you, you go to your map, and you pick something in the map, and then you go to the main screen, and you follow the wind. Uh, and it's really, it's so unique. And to find, uh, and there's like, you know, to find upgrade points, you have to follow these wolves in like little like environmental puzzle challenges. And when you get the prize, you get to pet the wolf. So there's these little things that I'm like, yeah, all right, this game's cool. Um, it is a perfect podcast game, I will sure. say that. There's lots of side stuff, lots of side stuff. Um, it's mostly all good. There's some various, you know, do this thing, you know, whatever, like side quests are. But um, the presentation, I am stunned uh, how good it is. It's a very atmospheric game, it sounds like. Yes. I hear it has the best photo mode it, it really of does. any game ever. Truly, <laughs> truly does. Like, um, And what's great about it is, like, the game, you stop, the game doesn't stop. So the trees will still be flowing and the flowers will be flowing, so you can get the perfect shot that you want. Um, and you can like you can uh, change the angles and like your expressions and all this different stuff. Um, it's really cool. It's like really cool. Um, I'm I'm probably like ten hours or so in. Um, so like I'm 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 pretty good on it. I'm the, pretty happy about it. The impression I've gotten from you and others based on what you just said and like the stuff about the Kurosawa mode and everything mm -hmm. feels very much like the R and D department 
that went very shallow with knowing what samurai are, yes. what what samurai films are like, and that yes. kind of thing. And it's like a very base knowledge and yeah. not really exploring actually putting samurai code into it. Yes, very much that. Um, That's kind of a bummer, but it's, yeah. I'm glad that everything else sounds good. Yeah, and like when. Oh yeah, so they're haikus. You can make haikus in the game, which is, you know, haikus are really sweet and really cool. Haikus weren't invented in the time period you're playing in. So it's just little things like that. I'm like, a little bit of research could have gone a long way, guys. Yeah. Um, making haikus and like you, you when you make haikus, it gives you different things in the game so you can like really customize your character. But like from a storytelling perspective, this shouldn't exist yet. So it's just like, oh, you guys are trying to be so realistic, but then this doesn't exist yet. It's, it's little things like that. Still a really fun, um, great podcast game. You put one one thing in, listen to a podcast, and you just do a whole bunch of side quests. I love it. Um, I've read a lot of comic books, not 73, probably like 15. Um, <laughs> a lot of Dawn of X stuff and all the Empire stuff up until now. Empire's still fantastic. That's, that's um, also my next time. Um, yeah, um, all those tie-ins, except for the Captain America one. Uh, everyone is right. That is a that is a Captain America story written by a uh, commander in the U.S. military, and it's all about the U.S. military fighting the invasion force with Captain America leading the invasion force or leading the Americans. And it's very gung ho. The military is great, and I was like, oh, now's not the time. It's really not the time. Um, it's well written enough or whatever, but it's just like who wrote that Captain America issue? A guy, a like private in the United States military. Okay, so yeah. it's not it's not Ta-Nehisi Coates. No, it, it's okay. a it's, it's a, interrupting as well. It's interrupting as well. Uh, it's different because I read like the Savage Avengers tie-in, which has Greg Smallwood and Jerry Duggan from that from the original book doing it. Right. And guys, even if you don't read Savage Avengers, pick this up because it's about Conan uh, going to a luchador match in Mexico when the invasion hits. So it's a bunch of luchadors and Conan and Venom in Mexico fighting aliens. The tie-ins are awesome. All these tie-ins are sub-rate. Like this is a perfect awesome uh event book that i've been like kind of looking for and i'm kind of done with events but man if it's all good uh, it's all good baby um i think that's about it i did all that stuff with him so there you go read read x-men guys it's great ben yeah. uh my week uh good news is i finally got my results back i'm negative after a long ass wait from one test your from one test but not your... from the book recent test exactly i gotta tell you we were really worried about about those stds that you got Oh man! All you said was you were negative from a test. I'm just, just gonna, just gonna. If audience's eyes are like rolling in the back of his head right now. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. No, it's from the coronavirus. Apparently, I don't have it anymore. Either I never had it, or I had it one time. I don't have it then. I don't know. Who freaking knows? Anyway, besides the point, my week was pretty much chill i was playing dead by daylight with you guys uh today i yesterday and today i was playing some more dark souls with my brother uh on my game we beat the last dlc boss um slave knight galen so oh. now i am a hundred percent done with dark souls and i'm gonna go out and get bloodborne tomorrow so we're gonna start bloodborne nice. i really want to be involved if i can ben can't i'm getting it tomorrow I just mean like scheduling. Like I don't like you do your own schedule, and I yeah. just hope I can be, I can be there because I, yeah. I thought I would love to play that with somebody. Yeah, because I still have one week of vacation left. So woohoo! Yeah, I got one more week left, and then I have to go back. I'm not looking forward to that. That's, anyways, uh, one other game uh, that I actually got, I fell in love with. I bought it. Um, it was kind of on a whim, but it was also because Ryan told me about it. I saw it on the Nintendo Direct Mini that we saw. I want to say last week. 
Yeah, it was last last week. The Nintendo Direct had a little. Uh, they had a little a little mini direct. It's okay. a game from Tribute Studios called Panzer Paladin. Now, if you like uh, things like Castlevania, Metroid, like some exploration style games, with also the um, boss fights from Mega Man, and you also like giant ass robots, this game is is. Uh, I have to say, this game is for you because Panzer Paladin. Oh, nice! That's awesome, yeah, Matt. Man. Mag says, I met Shia and George Lopez at the premiere. Good job. Yeah, nice. Red, red. Yeah, so Panzer Paladin is essentially, um, it's rope, it's like, it's a mix of Mobile Suit Gundam with Final Fantasy because of, like, these uh, weapons come from space and they're all, like, swords, axes, like, these mystical weapons. The occult is real, and one of the boss fights you have to fight, you have to fight Medusa, you have to fight Baba Yaga. You have to fight Anubis even. You have to fight all these cool mythological creatures, and you're in a giant robot. It's 8-bit. It's pixel. I wrote a tie review for it on OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com, so go ahead and check that out. The link is in the description I, I, I below. Oh, thank you. I'm going to buy that game, too. It looks rad. Yeah, it's, it's rad. I I was sold on I was sold on the, the concept alone because it's it's a giant robot game, and it's an action platformer in the style, in the style of Mega Man with a dash of Metroidvania thrown in. And... Oh, and also, it takes all the boxes for me. I love I love giant robots. I love Mobile Suit Gundam. And there's not a single gun in this game. And one of the best parts about this game is that you can make your own 8-bit weapons. And That's you why. can get, and halfway through the game, one of the bosses, who luckily is super easy to beat, will show up halfway through a stage if you're like, re- like say you've got a game over and you're redoing the whole stage again. Or you're like, man, this stage is pissing me off. I'm going to go do a different one and, and uh, relax and then go back and beat that part that I couldn't beat, which happened to me quite a few times. The horseman, who is one of the bosses, will show up. You beat him in the middle of the stage, and he will drop a weapon that someone else created for you. Sometimes oh, it's the one of the weapons that you've made. Most sometimes it's a weapon that someone else has made, and it's really freaking cool because I have gotten some insane weapons. I've got I've made a Buster Sword myself from Final Fantasy VII. Someone else made a Buster Sword as well. Uh, someone made a folding chair. Oh yeah. Someone also <laughs> made a balloon. Two balloons, actually. I gotten two balloons. I got, I gotten the pilot of the mech. Her name is Flame. You can actually play as her throughout the game instead of the giant robot with a little bit more challenge. And someone made hers like, hey, you could beat people with the uh, with her on a stick. Uh, but my personal favorite random weapon that I got was a fish. Yeah. Someone made a giant fish, and I'm like, and I was just like, monsters beware! I will beat you to death with my trout. Do you guys remember Mech Assault? I do. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea what that is. Lone Wolf had a great Xbox Live multiplayer mode where you had to fight against a different team uh, for control of the state board. And that was nice. like, that's what was happening. Nice. Man, uh, it's an action platformer. It's an 8-bit eight, game. Music's great. The art is gorgeous. The game itself is gorgeous. And I'm all, I almost beat it. I almost beaten it. And I, I can't wait to go back and play it some more. I'm definitely going to go back to the remix modes. I'm probably going to try 100% this one. This game is actually legit really fun. Nice. And it's and it's challenging. It's challenging in a way that you don't hate yourself for missing a jump. Because there were times where I'm trying to, I was trying to get this one jump just, just right, and I miss it. I'm like, frack. And then, when you finally, and then when you finally beat it, and then you beat the boss at the end of the stage, uh, a la Mega Man style, it just feels good. It's like, yeah, I did that. Is it is it is the structure like Mega Man where you're picking like different? Yeah, it is. Okay. It, it's oh, like okay. Mega Man where you get to pick the stage where you go, but it's unlike Mega Man that um, you don't have to beat this one boss to help you with another boss. Yeah, good. 
And the cool thing is, like, say you, you beat a boss and you get their weapon, but you want to go back to that stage. You do fight the boss at the end. It's not like Mangamore where that boss is gone forever. Because one of the um, mechanics in this game is that the whatever weapons you have, you can break those weapons and cast a magic spell. Like, attack up, defense up, you can heal yourself, cast thunderbolts, whatever. But th- but also, the boss's weapons, they will break. So if you have, like, this one boss that it's, it's really easy for you to beat, like uh, Medusa, for example. Medusa has, like, a Gorgon Sword, and her spell is, like, full heal or something. So it's like, man, I really like this Gorgon Sword. If you want more of it, you just have to keep going through the Grease level and just keep being her, and you can, and they stack. Oh, okay. That makes, I get you, that's cool, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to play that game sometime soon. I mean... If you want to know more, go ahead and read my article about Panzer Paladin. Panzer Paladin is really, really good. I highly recommend it. I love that link stuff. I hope. Link, I link really hope there, I really hope there's a sequel to it. I really, really want there to be a sequel to this game because I. Cause it also is twenty bucks on the on Nintendo eShop right now. It's cheap. Nice. Def, definitely worth. But I'll check out your review. Oh, speaking of reading, I started. Oh, sorry. I read this thing called a book. It's not something I do very <laughs> often, guys. But there is an HBO show called Love. Me Cat too. <laughs> yes. Also, that I'm the second I see a trailer is when I start that book because I don't think that movie's coming out this year. Anyway, Love Cat Country is a book that he bought like literally a day before I was going to buy the book at my local Barnes and Noble. So uh, I'm about like 50 pages in. We're refusing, about- right? Refusing? Oh, oh, I was just pointing. Um, I was going to read some more last night, but like literally the second I opened the book, I fell asleep. So I'm only like 50 pages in. Um, that book, um, oh man, guys, we're going to get another Watchmen, like in terms of, of serious political shit, like dealing with serious racial allegories while also having these crazy science, crazy science fiction elements. Uh, get ready for something really cool. If it's, if it's at all adapted like the book, like I'm awesome. excited. Very excited. Sorry, Ben. Yeah. Did you have more, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so besides playing Panzer Paladin, I'm also playing a lot more Animal Crossing. That's a still wholesome, relaxing. Sometimes it helps me fall asleep at night. Um, also, getting back into Fire Emblem Three Houses. They had uh, their one-year anniversary last week, but I'm still trying to get through my playthrough. I'm still not 100% done with that game. That game's still awesome and fun to play. Uh, also, I re-watched uh, Return of the King. I even though it's not my extended cut, it's just the theatrical edition of the film, which is the only version I own. Still awesome movie. Still absolutely adore it. And I really want to just sit down and start reading the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings books. I have the books on my bookshelf right behind me. I just haven't sat down and read them. I can never ever? get to the Lord of the Rings. Sorry, Ben, ever? No, I tried. I finished the Hobbit. I read the Hobbit when I was younger, but the Hobbit was at a really high read level for me, so I can't really understand it. And I tried reading Fellowship of the Ring like when the movies were starting to come out and it was really popular. Wow. I was in like sixth grade, and my sixth grade-year-old mind or my sixth grade mind was like, this is way too difficult. I don't know what the frack is going on. Uh, remind me, have you read Game of Thrones? Any of it? Yeah, yeah, okay. I fit. Yeah, I'm. You can you can read Lord of the Rings now. Well, that now now that I'm older and thankfully my reading level is higher, I can now sit down and get through Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. For sure, I'm just saying like Game of Thrones is way more dense. Oh no, I because of what I first read when I first read Lord of the Rings, I was twelve. Was, sure. Yeah, I, I was a child. <laughs> I was small. Sure. Yeah. Uh, when when Ben, you said, my, thankfully my reading level is higher. I just I just uh, for the audio, I just shake my hand, my head because my reading level's not. <laughs> you you struggle with novels, sir. I mean, yeah. I like to read them, so that's something. Yeah, and also I I guess this is kind of nerd. This is this might be it's it's a little thing that I've just been doing personally, but my roommate and I 
Um, we're fans of the card game Yu-Gi-Oh! So I've been... Uh... Oh, are we going to talk about how I kicked your ass? Okay, first of all, sir, I screwed up and forgot the rules because I was playing by magic rules, and the second I summoned my Cyber End Dragon, I should I should have swung at you, but I didn't because I forgot that in Yu-Gi-Oh, the second you can summon a monster, you can make him swing on the first go. You're so, so next time, and also I know my combos again because I got reacquainted with my Cyber Dragon deck. I'm pretty sure now I can kick in, your ass. In fairness to Ben, my deck, half of my deck is illegal. Yeah, because I. Because I haven't updated it since first gen. Oh, wow. So, oh, yeah. Those are the only cards I have is the first gen card, and half of yeah. them you can't even play anymore. Yeah, uh, but... Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. but um, my roommate and I, we've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh! He's um, helping me because one of the things I would like to do someday is actually play in a tournament. I've never played in any card game tournament before in my life. And I would like to do. I would like to try that someday. I don't know how far I'm going to go, but I just want to try it. Sit and have fun with it. Are, are you saying you'd like to do Yes. <laughs> yes, I am saying that. Supposedly, that's how Jeremy and I first met at a, at a, at a Yu-Gi-Oh! duel. I feel like I was told that story. Yeah, he, he, we talked about it a couple times because we kind of discovered it at, like years ago when we first met. Cause, you know, And he was like, I was the guy doing this. I was like, oh my god, that was you? <laughs> Yeah, and also one of the things I can't wait until quarantine is over so I can come over to where uh, Ryan and Sparks live and bring all my magic cards, build a deck, and we can just go at it. Ben, do you still have that? You have that PC of yours, right? Yeah. Okay. There's Magic Arena, which is the free-to-play Magic Gathering collectible card game. Oh, um, yeah. I can do that, too. I'm going to tell you guys, uh, Legends of Runeterra is better. Cool. I want to play Magic Gathering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't care about it. It's like Magic Gathering. No, I'm talking about as a, as a uh, card online card game based system yes legends ruin terra plays much better i believe it but uh, okay. I it's it is not called magic the gathering right. anyway <laughs> you're you've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh with your roommate yeah i've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh, my roommate having some fun his tournament ready decks are dirty as all hell because my deck's not tournament ready yet hero decks are will f you up in one turn i don't know what that is uh this is a type of it's a type of monster don't worry about it sounds like a, like is he a hero or is it a monster band come on Meg uh, says Yu-Gi-Oh brings out many things to many people. Yes, it does. <laughs> I have no association with Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, it's been. But yeah, that, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much my week. Just, just nice. sitting here chilling, playing video games, re- rewatching the Lord of the Rings for the upteenth time, mm-hmm. and just wanting the the extended cut of Return of the King because I still don't own it. Well, I, I did that... something. Go ahead. I always forget every every week. Murder Falcon. No, I mean, I did read, like, one issue of Murder Falcon, which okay. is really cool. I did the Downright Annoyed podcast this week because we skipped last week. We watched the movie called The Ritual. The Ritual is a spooky movie, but I talked about it last week. Watch, Link, watch our week of it this week. Link so. in the description. Oh, there's another thing I read. Uh, another thing I did this week. I read up on my comic books. I read up on books, so I read the X-Men books. Uh, I think my personal favorite book that I got this week was Fantastic Four X-Men. I that, oh see that's funny I read all of my books and I'm like I think I forgot one I haven't read that one yet so I'm gonna read that yeah. no but I uh, I would definitely say this in our book club but I think Chip Zdarsky is one of my favorite writers now because I absolutely loved reading Fantastic Four X Men I loved reading the book club that we had to read for tonight and I I had a lot of fun with Fantastic Four X Men and oh right let me know when you finish reading Fantastic Four X Men because that ending is damn. Good. Uh, okay, so that was 
you're correct. That ending is damn. <laughs> um, Jumping off of that real quick, I'm just going to go back to talking about the Dawn of X Order because I realized I didn't explain something. Um, the first six trades are like Ryan was describing earlier, where you get one issue, X-Men, one issue, blah, blah, blah. So it's full six issues, but it's like the first six series, whatever. Once you get past that, it becomes, oh, this one has uh, one issue Marauders, two issues of X-Men, one issue of... And so okay, they're good. mixing it to good. match where it's where things are supposed to be linked in continuity. That's fair. So they yes. are not like one for one for one the whole way through the series. Yeah. Once you're past the sixth volume, it starts intermingling it to fit the continuity. That makes a lot more sense. Good. Uh, I realize um, I wasn't explaining that. Uh, okay, so that was half our podcast. So let's move into Hell our yeah. news. Good thing there's a lot of, not a lot of news. Uh, so let's move into our news. Uh, our bread and butter. Insert theme song here. And here's your bread. And your butter. Here's your bread and butter. Okay, okay. Not in my ear. Thank you. Um, so we almost made it this week without a tragic death. Yeah. Um, this week, yesterday even, saw the passing of Wilfred Brimley. Uh, at yep. the age of 85. I know Wilfred Brimley from my favorite horror movie, John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Also, Cocoon. That's the thing a lot of people will forget that he did. Yep. He was also in the Ewoks movie. Oh, Star, War- Star uh, Wars' own. Gotta get paid, I guess. I <laughs> did not know that. I only knew the man from the diabetes commercial, unfortunately. Yeah. That's, that's where I think a lot of our audience will recognize him from. It's a... It's un, it's a popular meme. Yeah. There's yeah. No around it. But also, he's the face of Quaker Oats. Yeah, I mean, the, I read. The, you know, the the besides the, all that, the, the dude. Yeah. The, besides all that, like the dude was a well-respected actor. He had oh, yeah. two successful TV shows uh, on the air, um, and many many successful films, such as The Thing and Cocoon. And you know, he in Cocoon, he's playing like a uh, like a an elderly man. Because he started acting when he was like 50. Hey man, it happens. John Carpenter's The Thing is a very popular horror film amongst most people, but especially people who know horror films. And I was surprised how many people on Twitter didn't realize Wilford Brimley was in that movie. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, you know why? He's prominent. He doesn't man. have a big ass mustache. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so deeply saddened about that. Um, real quickly, you guys wanted to talk about the. Um, Avengers War Table that happened this week. I completely yeah. blanked on it. I forgot to watch it. Uh, no, it's cool. So tied into this was also the announcement that Hawkeye is going to be part of the game. Uh, I don't look yeah, at Hawkeye, Straight actually. out of Matt Fraction's run. Well, okay, that's the alternate costume. Uh, he's not bald in that run. Right. The very first video I see is his ultimate look. Right. Uh, which, is, again, is cool, but there's going to be multiple costumes from all the different variations. And there was, there was kind of a hint and tease that there's going to be many more heroes added. 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, both before release and... Uh, later. Yes. Um, so they released another War Table thing. Um, they announced that the beta is starting in five days, um, and they released what's going to be in the beta, which is just a shit ton of content, guys. It is the entire opening sequence of San Francisco, which we, we've seen some of, some of, but that's about a, that's a 30-minute section. Then there's like like a dozen, like literally a dozen missions, some some uh, single hero that focuses on the story, some multiplayer. Then there's these things called harm rooms, which is basically the danger room, where it's all holographic and you fight your friends to just like get high scores. That's a lot of content uh, for this game that comes out in a month. And like a whole section of the heroes that you get to play, where like a whole 
one of the trees that oh, you get yeah. to build their skills Yeah, on. you get to choose one of the skill trees wow. and use an entire tree, and there's three of them. So they, you're, you're getting a shit ton of content. Uh, after watching this and seeing more of the gameplay and seeing how the traversal works, what I'm going to be doing, I am sold a lot more on this game, 100% more. In fact, that I've pre-ordered it because I really want to play it early. More, more than anything, I'm, I can entirely see where I would enjoy playing this with, like, you three. Yes. And all of us playing online, playing as Avengers, playing as especially like having enough variation where we're where we're all playing somebody who we really want to play. Yeah. And, um, and we played we played Destiny a lot to know that like you can have multiple builds. Like like builds that are completely different than than like use like this type of build that has disability. It's a completely different mm -hmm. uh, thing that does something else, right? And you can do that with all of these characters. So like it's I've just been waiting for more information and since they finally gave us a dump of like, hey guys, here's everything you're gonna do, and we're gonna be exploring this game for many, many years. Um, so like I'm I'm sold. Uh it's a great a great developer, like the the guys who made the Tomb Raider games, at least the first two, because they didn't make the third because they're working on this. Like those are excellent, excellent games and the stories are really good. Uh, and and also with the the investment in the future, it's become very clear that this is going to be one of the titles where when the PS5 jump happens, it's going to be automatic go up yeah. to the PS5 version. You don't have to like buy another version of it. Yeah. So you get to like just have this game supported up through the next few years. Nice. Uh, I'm into it. I'm yeah. I'm actually kind of on board at this point. Yeah. Cause the, the thing that was always stopping me was like it wants it, it is a it is a live service game. It is a Destiny type game where they want you to be playing this game all the time. But the thing is for me is like all right. So where's all where's the content to keep me there? Which most of these live service games do not have at launch. Um, there was a Destiny beta and that beta was bad and that was a bad indication of what the game was going to be because you played the first third of the campaign in the beta. Then when you get the game, you only play for three more hours and the campaign's done. So that's what I do not care with this because they're letting us play so much content. I they're not. There's no way they're giving us the whole story. There's no way. Um, so I'm just very excited. Uh, they seem to believe in it, and which is why they're giving us this breadth of content, uh, which makes me believe in it more than I ever have before. Well, especially because then you have access to like a lot of mission space, but not a lot of campaign space. So there's yeah. still a lot of story to flesh out. That you're not going to see. They're giving you every type of gameplay like it's again besides the main story stuff all the types of gameplay you're going to be doing solo and with your friends so you know hey maybe this game isn't for you but for me now that i know what there is uh i'm going to be playing iron man so much oh my god it looks so fun and cool. this is uh this is something i was talking to uh, a friend of the podcast michael about while i was away at the cabin actually um and we were talking not specifically about this game but just about games where like really end of the day as long as you can have fun playing in an RPG setting, as long as the gameplay feels good to do, it doesn't really matter yeah. how lackluster some of the other features are. If you enjoy playing it, especially if you enjoy playing it with other people, that's it. That's really all you need. And yeah. if Avengers gameplay is good enough, none of the other stuff is going to be enough to harm it. Look, if, I mean, look at, like, I love Dead by Daylight. Kind of a simple game, right? How, how often are we playing that game? Because the core of the game is so good. If, like, mm -hmm. it, this game, this sold me more. I'm like, all right, I, I trust these guys. They know what they're doing. Um, I could still be wrong, but you never know. Um, 30 minutes of this, I was like, all right, you guys seem to know what you're doing. Let's hope, let's hope I'm right. Yeah, cool. Okay, um, moving on. We have a universal update, a universal, uh, universal AMC update. They finally oh. have come to a deal. Uh, if you remember, AMC was like, we're not going to play Universal Studios movies ever. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Universal Studios and AMC have finally kind of come to terms and and and, and talked it out. Um, AMC has agreed to shorten the theatrical window to 17 days, which is more than half of the current one, which is at okay. 90 days. Um, uh, 
after that, Universal can choose to uh, keep the films in longer, uh, or they can drop it on VOD. Not DVD, VOD. And DVD would come later. Right. Um, and uh, Cineworld hates that. They own Regal. They were the other ones who were like, we're not playing Universal movies. And they're like, no, screw you, AMC, you sellouts. So that's what's going on now. I think there's a lot of just panic about this becoming a permanent situation. Mm-hmm. And I think Universal's very much like, guys, it's just, we're just trying to get through right now. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to get through this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand I understand theater chain spheres, because we discussed this back when AMC first did this whole thing. Um, but I but I do think that, like, this is already indication of, like, who the fuck is going to the theaters right now anyway? Uh, or anytime soon. Not that many people. So, I, like, Regal doesn't need to be freaking out. It's like, this is this is purely for the moment that we're in the coronavirus when theaters are actually open. Yeah. Just to turn profits. Like, it's, it doesn't matter. Speaking of uh, speaking of that, though, Tenet, uh, you know, Tenet was pulled off its release date. Now it has a new release date for international I I people. have to tell you, I cracked up hardcore at you being Christopher Nolan saying, no more movies! <laughs> <laughs> no more movies! Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is, so, is going to make Americans so mad. Christopher Nolan uh, has agreed that, that that Tenet will release internationally only on August 26th because the international theaters are open. That This is kind of the thing where I feel like we should be getting Mulan in a similar fashion too because yeah. the international market is not in as bad a shape as the United States. Right. And we don't need to hold back the entire film industry because of us. Yeah. Now, come September 3rd, Tenet will open in select United States theaters that are open. Because there are some in the middle of America that are currently opening. Sure, yeah, in the crazy places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. you know. And drive-ins, and drive-ins, maybe. Oh, and drive-ins, maybe. We'll see. Oh, and oh. certainly Fortnite. But I, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if Christopher Nolan won't let drive-ins have it unless he feels their IMAX enough. Don't you dare, Christopher Nolan. Don't you gatekeep. This movie was filmed to be shown on an IMAX screen. Sure. I know, and he's very specific about that. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe he'll be like, no drive-ins. No, <laughs> <laughs> Chris, no. I just I'm, taking, I'm taking New Mutants, and you can't have drive-ins either. I've gotten amazing Williams, man. Um, I just... I guess I like I don't run a business, so I don't care about money. But if I if I'm a movie if I'm a filmmaker, I want people to see my movie. That's just yeah. at the bottom at the end of the day, I want people to see my movie. If they if they can see them uh, on their TV, is that is that what I want? No. But do I want people to? Or do I want to wait a year and a half when realistically we're gonna be able to really see movies? Right. Like they keep pigeonholing and doing these like two weeks moves or doing it internationally. Just like just do something real. Just do something real. I guess this is the best that they can do. Well, you know, you, you know, the studio's got to weigh whether or not the film would do better in theaters or better on VOD. I mean, look at Scoob. Scoob wasn't going to do great in theaters. Yeah. So they put Scoob on VOD, and it made money. And like, I, Tenet, Tenet won't make. Right, Tenet won't make the kind of money. Wonder Woman, same thing. Mulan, yeah. the same thing. Those movies won't make the same kind of money on VOD. But that's yeah. So that's the kind of thing. It's like. If we, like Tenet, Mulan, release it in the international market in theaters, release it on VOD in the States maybe three weeks later. Yeah, I don't the international market I, makes up for most of it. Like drive-ins and what select theaters are open in the States where you can, but like VOD, the rest of it, just like, you know, people are going to drive-ins to see Palm Springs. I saw it. 
you can just watch that on Hulu, yeah. but I yeah. saw it. Uh, you know, like people are doing it because it's it's a nice way to get out of the house. Yeah. Frank, it really is. Yeah. Uh, there's no there's no shame in it. I look forward to seeing Bill and Ted face the music at the drive-in. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to watch it on VOD. I'm going to go to the drive-in. Uh, speaking, speaking of uh, uh, staying inside, Netflix released a couple of projects uh, that they're working on. For example, uh, a Witcher prequel. Uh, they're doing a prequel to, to Henry Cavill's hit show, The Witcher, uh, with The Witcher Blood Origin, set 12,000 years before Geralt of Rivia, the worlds of the monsters, men, and elves merged into one, and the first Witcher... 12,000 or 1,200? 1,200, sorry. Added okay, a right. zero. He's not that old. 1,200, uh, and, and the first Witcher came to be. So it's not Geralt, it's way back yeah. in the past where... The, the Witcher is... Uh, it's going to be like hundreds of years, so like it is going to be removed, but like if you know Witcher lore, there are characters that this can absolutely be. Um, so it is a six-part series. Uh, Declan DeBara, who was actually the director on the first episode of The Witcher, season one, uh, and Lauren Schmidt, who is the showrunner of The Witcher, uh, will be the showrunners for this, sh- for this new show. Damn, this is a real-ass involvement. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I have no problems. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I really like The Witcher. Yep. Did anyone watch Spartacus? I watched some of it. Yeah. Um, after the second season, they did a similar thing where they did a prequel six-episode season because Ed, the main actor, Andy Whitfield, had passed away, so they had to like kind of fill the gap. Yeah. So they created this prequel series. This reminds me a lot of that without the death. Um, but like, uh, but yes, it was very good, and it like informed stuff for the third season because they were able to expand on on some cool shit. Um, <laughs> But uh, it, it's something they wouldn't have done otherwise. I think it's cool when when they find like, oh, we're just gonna do this like little little tiny event thing to kind yeah. of flesh out the past. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, yeah, uh, more like- yeah. Splinter Cell is getting a two season, sixteen episode order from Netflix. Uh, it's an animated series, um, directed by uh, work being worked on by by Derek Kolstad, the writer of the John Wick franchise. That's so weird. Brian went through so many emotions. <laughs> so, I, okay. I said this before. If you if you play Splinter Cell Pandora tomorrow, which came out in like 2004, there is a fake teaser trailer on that disc that for the Splinter Cell movie that's supposedly coming out next year. So for like 15 years, Splinter Cell fans have never believed anything Splinter Cell related. And now it's animated. Weird. <laughs> weird. Yeah. John Wick's great. Um, John Wick is a serious action franchise, and Spinner Cell is a stealth franchise. So, like, I guess you could do both. I seriously think Emma thinks you're upstairs. Emma, I'm down here. <laughs> She's um, like upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> <Door. laughs> um, and then, speaking of video game adaptations from Netflix, Beyond Good and Evil is getting an adaptation from Netflix in the form of a live action movie, which will also have animated parts. Okay, um, so Spinner Cell is animated. Beyond Good and Evil is live action. Beyond Good and Evil will be a mix of live action and animation with Rob Letterman, the director of Goosebumps and Detective Pikachu, attached to direct. That's a lot of video game stuff all at once, and it's so weird. And Can't they just come out with that sequel game first? Yeah, that game has been in development for eight years. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. See, the thing yeah. that Netflix is doing it, like, I believe it's actually happening because they, show, they, they put out so much shit. Mm. Uh, it's just, Splinter Cell being animated is not what I ever expected because that's a very grounded spy thing no like, yeah. splinter cell has i feel like splinter cell should be live action if anything that's 
I, I've never played the games, but I know of the games. I know about Sam Fisher. I know how the fans absolutely adore the series. So it's like, no, we hate series actually. Oh, I'm kidding, Ben. No. <laughs> I tried. I tried to put in my two cents, and I just get kicked out. Man, I'm just kidding, my man. Uh, the last game came out like a long, long time ago. Early 2000s. Like uh, the highest split cell was in the thousands. Six years ago. It's just we've been waiting. They've been talking about a reboot for so long, and like the last two E3s, there have been rumors that Splinter Cell's going to show up, and it hasn't showed up. And now it's just like that franchise is like in such limbo. It's so weird. And now we're getting an animated show. Yeah. I don't. Um. Okay. So moving on, this is the part of the show where guys take some salt out and take a huge grain of salt with some of the shit. Um. So first, we are getting we are getting reports from the usual suspects of these Marvel and Star Wars uh, rumors and, and kind of confirmations. Uh, Jeremy Conrad is an insider. These people who claim to know a thing or two about a thing or two. Um, they are saying that Haley Steinfeld has, has in fact signed for the Hawkeye series as Kate Bishop. This is after saying that she has been long gone from the talks and they were looking at other people. So I... I mean, like, it'd be cool if it is her. I'm not invested until there's a real announcement. Yeah. I don't care. The, the other thing is that, and this one I kind of take a lot, I, I take a little bit more weight to. Uh, they are saying that in, that Disney Plus is working on a true sequel in a show, movie, they don't know, sure, to Solo, a Star Wars story, with the entire cast returning. You buy that instead of... A- the Hawkeye show getting cast? We've heard very much. We've heard a lot about... No, I'll buy the, the Haley Steinfeld. She's been rumored for years. But um, I buy that one because we've been hearing quite a lot about solo sequel shows on Disney+. Plus: Lando, Maul, uh, Kira, for a moment had it. And I'm wondering if perhaps that we're we're hearing them kind of bits and pieces, but they are actually just the one thing. I, I buy 100% that they are trying to find a way to carry on solo on some way on Disney Plus. Some part of it or a whole whatever. They're yeah. trying to follow up solo some way on Disney Plus. I don't know that I buy that anybody actually knows Jack about what they're thinking of doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of some of it has sounded pretty cool and like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. Like the, the Lando one as much as I, I don't believe it, but as much as I, I would like it, uh, I don't believe it, but I think it'd be cool. Um, Especially if it's framed as a lot of people on the internet have talked about with Billy D. Williams opening it as part of his diary oh, holographic maybe. journal like he did in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And then it goes back to young Donald Glover. And I'm like, you know, that's pretty dope. I'm yeah. into it, but I don't buy it yet. Um, I pre-ordered I, the... Uh, I, I pre-ordered I, the... Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I pre-ordered the Star Wars lightsaber book because I love lightsaber. I love hilts, lightsaber hilts. Um, I have a very hard time believing that uh, Alden Einrich is involved in anything at this moment related to Solo because he's doing his own show and I believe he's also working on a film. He, so, did, say, he did say there have been ongoing talks. I, I, I believe that but I don't believe that they're they're looking to pull a lot with him at the moment. Mm-hmm. Because I would say as much as I like him as Solo, I think he was the hardest thing for fans to get on board with. And I don't know that they really need... Honestly, you could carry on a lot of pieces from Solo without him. Mm-hmm. As much as I like him and would be happy to see him, I don't really need to see more adventure fleshed out between where we left off and A New Hope, sure. as far as he's concerned. I also just, yeah, I, 
I don't need more. Like, I like that movie, but I don't want more Han Solo, especially if it's like a TV show. It's not the thing yeah. I want. I do want more uh, Emilia Clark, yeah. and I do want more Darth Maul. Give me more of that. And like, I crime do want shit? more Lando. Yeah. All that I'm on board for. Yeah. Crime shit. All the parts of Solo without the Solo. Solo <laughs> and Chewie are pretty well left off to just go into A New Hope. Yeah. Don't really need more. I agree. Uh, the one thing though that is in fact happening is take the we're up we're past the grain of salt bit, put it, put the salt away. Uh, the one thing that is in fact happening in the realm of Star Wars is that Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge is coming out on the virtual reality Oculus Rift. Ocul- Oculus Rift. There you go. You got virtual it. reality. Um, this is going to be a story much like Vader Immortal, um, uh, kind of an episodic thing, but this time set on Batu between the events of. The Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker, so in the events of uh, Galaxy's Edge, the theme park. Um, uh, the story is, in Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, you play a droid repair technician who crash lands on Batu after a pirate attack. In typical Star Wars fashion, you'll quickly get swept up into a grand adventure on the outskirts of Black Spire Outpost. Okay. Sounds cool. alright? Sure. Those I, uh... of you who are interested in virtual reality? Yeah, that Vader Immortal stuff, that, that all, it's all out. People are like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. You want to look at Darth Vader? Cool. <laughs> um, and then Pixar announced their newest film this week. Which we um, know almost nothing about. Nothing, except for uh, the film will introduce a boy named Luca, which is the name of the, of the movie, uh, as he experiences an unforgettable summer in a seaside town on the Italian Riviera. Cool. I the one image that they released looked cool. I'm like, I bet it's going to be really, really pretty. Yeah. This is a this is directed by Enrico uh, Casarosa. Um, he was actually the director of the short film La Luna, which for for Pixar, which I love. Oh, I remember that. It's the love one. The... It yeah. makes a ton of sense. It makes a yeah. ton of sense with the Italian stuff. Um and, but he has been an art director for many Pixar movies. Uh, yes in between now and then. All right. Yeah. All right, then. Uh, I love La Luna. Pixar has yet to make something I don't like. Yeah, agreed. Even at its worst. Like... There's still fun um, stuff in it. Yeah. We don't really have to talk about it for long, but the Emmys were announced this week. Yeah, they were. Were they? Um, Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah. And... uh, I am sad that uh, personal friend Kayla Cromer was snubbed uh, as far as her performance in... Uh, everything's going to be okay, but that's all right. Um, the big news with the Emmy nominations is that Watchmen leads the nominations with 26 nominations. So deserved. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, uh, Regina King, just give her the Emmy. Yeah. Jeremy I mean, Irons is also nominated, which I think is great. Yaya Abdul is also... Uh, every Everything. This is like... it's. I don't expect to win everything. Wanted to, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I'm the same way. If it wins everything, awesome. If it still, if it wins like three quarters of it, cool. Yeah, I just want, for, I want Regina, for best limited series because uh, I want to win that. I also want Regina King to win. Those are the two. Uh, The Mandalorian is also nominated for best drama series. That's um, interesting. I don't agree. I uh, would there are ten play. There are ten spots. I'm sure it's not going to win. Oh, I know. I just. I'm like. Mm, that's all not- the technical stuff. Hell yeah. That's not. Yeah. The I think Mandalorian should win for. The Mandalorian uh, also has has 15 nominations. Um, just to just to clarify, 
think it does. I have all the, I have the list in front of me. The list is, by the way, uh, the link is in the description for the list. What's happening? I'm sorry. Hey guys, it's Brittany from YouTube. <laughs> what happened? Um, yeah, so uh, the link is in the description for anybody who wants to see the nominations, some of the other nominations. Uh, but I think it is up for best visual effects. I'm just confirming now. Hey, real quick, we don't talk about the Eisners, which are the comic book awards. Uh, and oh, we talk about it. We didn't. We didn't. So, That's my bad. We don't talk about it. So next year, we're making a, a whole ass thing about we're gonna it. Make, we're going to make the Eisner cast. Let's do it. We're going to talk about, gonna talk about every about single nominated book in detail. I'll okay. Do I don't give a shit. No, you're you're absolutely right. That's an oversight, and we should definitely do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's I think some of these nominations, especially like the nerd ones, are pretty cool. Yes. Just gonna say. Yep. Um, oops. See, like, <laughs> Watchmen got so many. I'm so happy. And you know, Mandalorian got so many. And I'm like, that's cool. I don't know about that one though. Marvel's <laughs> Mr. Maisel got nominated. Yeah. yeah, you can check out more of our thoughts about the Mandalorian on Fake Nerds Watch. Uh, where we detail like what we loved about him, what we thought was just kind of okay. See, yeah. true. All right, guys, we like Castlevania. We've all seen it. Yes, we the have. Animated, the animated series on games are pretty dope too. Warren Ellis. This is Castlevania. Yeah. Um, I mean, a given. This was a given. Yeah. So Warren Ellis has left Castlevania. The fourth season is done. It is broken. Um, so he, he didn't, he's part of that, but after that, after that, he is gone from the series. Yeah. Uh, it's like the most highest profile thing he was involved with at this moment when mm -hmm. he went through the news cycle of everyone being like, Hey, uh, he might actually be really, really shitty and gross. Yeah. Uh, so it's not surprising that this happened. Uh, it was only a matter of time. Uh, good. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's the one that made it good anyway. Like, I mean, the director of dread is part of it. I oh, forgot his name. Oh. Listen, guys, not not to defend the gross man. He wrote a lot of those episodes, and he was like, "There's a lot of Warren Ellis in the show. I, I can't, you cannot take that away." But I would also, but I would also argue, at least in the last season, a lot of the writing was way too drawn out and stagnant. Yeah. So no, what I mean is, he's still so involved with the show, so this sure. is going to be a good fresh cleansing. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm optimistic. There's a lot of talented people I think can easily fill in and arguably make the show just as good or better. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm not concerned. I'm just glad it's still gonna, like, he didn't take the show with the cancellation. Oh, me too. Because yeah. I, uh -huh. I really like that show a lot. Me so too. do I. I would have been really mad if Castlevania just went under just because Warren Ellis got caught up with some bad shit. Yep, God bless that he's not the star like Kevin Spacey. Yeah, um, what was his name? What was, what was his name? Max Landis. His show tanked because he had to, because of his, his, uh, oh, I know, I know which one you're talking about, but like that, that one never really got 100% off the ground like Castlevania did. So true. I'm sure, Castlevania. If this had happened when we were in like season one of Castlevania, that might have got that might have killed it. Yeah. Um. Okay. We talked a bit, a bit about Kevin Smith last week. Um. He's in the news again this week. Uh, he is adapting the Green Hornet. Um. He is going to adapt the Green Hornet into an animated series with Wild Brain. Uh, Wild Brain is fairly new on the on the animated kids circuit. They are mostly kids centric animation. Uh, oh. They did Carmen San Diego and some other some other ones. Carmen San Diego is the most recent. Oh, okay. Um, did so he, he just turn fifty today? Yes, today? he did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Birthday cast. There you go. Yeah. Um, but he is developing the Green Hornet, which he's of course he's a fan of. Um, <laughs> Written so it's being reported that he's like adapting, but he's adapting his own comic that he wrote. 
he wrote a comic about the, the, the children of the Green Hornet in Cato. Oh, yeah. Just, he's just doing his own story, which people find very lazy. But hey, man, you get to do what you want to do, whatever. Right. So I'll just, you know what, I'm going to read his quote because it does dictate what the, what the series is going to be. Um, so he says, It's an honor to escort the legendary Green Hornet and Cato into their very own animated series for the first time in the rich history of these iconic pop culture characters. We'll be telling a tale of two hornets, past and future, that spans generations and draws inspiration from a lifetime spent watching classic cartoons and amazing animation like Batman the Animated Series, Heavy Metal, and Super Friends. I can't believe Wild Brain gave me this job, and I can't thank them uh, enough for the opportunity to extend my childhood a, a little longer. It's going to be set in the present day, so 2020, and will be about uh, Green Hornet, Green Hornet's uh, son and Kato's daughter. And that's the that is the story, and probably kid centric. Although they may be branching out into more kind of teenage animation, we'll see. I I to be honest, I don't really care about Green Hornet. Uh, I don't know anyone that does. Uh, I I gave that Seth Rogen movie a shot because I I I'm always down for new for characters to to be introduced to me in new ways that I'm like oh cool and I like this character now. I, I I never watched that old show, never read the comics, uh, didn't like that movie. Uh, maybe this will do it. I probably doubt it. I I really like. I really wish the concept of those old pulp heroes could make a comeback in some form of shared universe. I've always said that I, th- I think it would be really cool, and maybe I'm alone in this, but if you brought back the spider, the shadow, Green Hornet, Lone Ranger, Ma- uh, Masks of Zora, there's, a, bring them... there's a comic called Masks that it's an all team up with them and out. That's, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. That that idea, set the set the films in the 1930s, yeah. keep it there. Not Don't bring it into modern day. Keep it there. I think yeah. that'd be really cool. Well, I have to say, Brandon, you are not alone because I too want that. Look, I, I'm not a big fan of the Green Hornet, but I am a fan of the Shadows very specifically, and uh, and also uh, the Lone Ranger. I grew up listening to the audio dramas of the Shadow. Sure. Um, you get a Alec Baldwin movie in the Shadow? Once. Um, the audio dramas are better. I uh, think it's hilarious. Uh, Wait, Alec Baldwin was in that movie? He's the Shadow. He's the Shadow. No, I just remember the toy cart, the toy commercials for the Shadow when I was a kid. A big nose. Yeah, uh, that's all I remember. Those, those, you're you're 100 right, Brandon. That those things should just be left to their time. And I think every time they try to modernize them, it never works. Yeah, I agree. Gore Verbinski tried. Yeah, but he didn't yeah. set them in the modern day. No, but I know what you mean. Um, like he he tried. He but tried he also more, tried like, to make that a huge ass movie that also wanted to include like werewolves and shit. And the studio was like, absolutely not. And that movie still has an insane ending, which is crazy that ending is still ballers with that train sequence it's crazy i don't know if you need that in a lone ranger movie the lone ranger movie the best part of that movie is the train yeah like and that is like that's where that 200 million dollars went is that amazing train sequence i was i was i watched the lone ranger only once and i remember specifically when the train sequence starts he does the hi-ho silver away the music blares his classic song starts i'm just like where was this the whole movie it was waiting two hours in the back So, Mag just said, and Dick Tracy. Do you think Dick Tracy could work in modern time or no? I mean... Uh, I'll tell you. What's his name? What's the actor's name? Warren Beatty? Warren he really Beatty. wants it to. He's been trying to get uh, a sequel. Yeah. Ben, ben, to really directly answer your question, not really. Uh, okay. To do Dick Tracy and have it still be Dick Tracy and not just every other thing that we have had that is a modern adaptation loosely based on Dick Tracy, but taking it the next step to make it today, that's all he would be. So he wouldn't really, he wouldn't really be Dick Tracy anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
he's one of those characters. I think this is true of the Shadow and the Lone Ranger as well. I think it should be true of the Green Hornet, where once you pull them out of their period, they're not really who they are anymore. They, yeah. they, they're the thing is that like their stories stopped being told at a certain point, and then they started being told again, but they were still being told like they were at that period of time. Yeah. Then they stopped being told again, and then everybody thought, oh, let's just update them. So uh, it's not like comics where they track them into the current day time period. Yeah. And if they haven't done that, it doesn't work. So Britt Reed, who's the Green Hornet, he is a he is like the son of a wealthy newspaper guy. So like in 2020, is is a newspaper guy going to still be a billionaire? Like maybe try to picture so. try to picture doing Zorro today. What would that look like? Batman. Well, they've been trying to do that. It would look like Batman. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look like Zorro. It looks like Batman. Because well, they've been trying to do Zorro, the the future Zorro movie for years. Right. You can't do Zorro as Zorro today. You can't. You have to change it, and that becomes Batman. Yeah. That's what it is. Uh, and Dick Tracy would be the same thing. All these pulp heroes would be the same these thing. These pulp movies are just too risky. And, like, when we do get them, uh, again, like, that original Zorro movie from the 90s is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the most, like, just that Perry Mason show on HBO. Yes. I've heard excellent things about that. And that's the most current, like, noir hippie thing I could think of. Yeah. And I'm like, it can be done. You just have to have a baller creative team that knows. And one of, the, one of the things that I don't understand is whenever they do something like, and this is probably not the case of this animated series, but uh, to go back to this relevant topic, but... I don't understand about when they do the movies, they give them the budget of a Marvel film. Don't. Oh, yeah. Give it a smaller budget. Look what happened with yeah. The Invisible Man. Yeah, it's never about money. It's about the character stuff. And in the action is so small scale. Like, you don't... I understand wanting to make it a franchise, but sometimes you need to realize The Lone Ranger isn't a franchise movie. That's not what the... No, yeah. He can he's, be a TV show. These, these characters deserve budgets more akin to what Upgrade gets or yeah. The Invisible Man. Put them like an yeah. AMC show, like a super dope AMC show. <clears throat> Don't give a $200 million Avengers budget. Yeah. It's weird. Um, all right, and before Unless we get into... If you are doing a movie where they are all together, they have all been established, then I can understand because you're paying to get all of them together, make it a little bit bigger and bombastic, something yes. that involves all of them, but they have to be established in smaller things first. Yeah. Most of these characters haven't really punched anything other than Nazis. Yeah. No. Yeah. All you doing all you need is a costumer. You don't need big special effects. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and then before we get into trailers, real quickly, Courtney Cox has been confirmed to be reprising her role as uh Gail Weathers. Sorry, I forgot it for a second, in Scream. It's weird and crazy and I can't believe it, and it's gonna be super strange to watch because I don't Everybody knows uh, kind of the premise of Scream. So David Arquette and Courtney Cox were married throughout all the previous films. So their characters in those films fell in love and got married. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to watch a movie where they make those characters get divorced because in real life they got divorced. Mm-hmm. So or it's just off screen. They don't even they barely mention it. Yeah, that, but, but that's what I mean. Is like, like I don't I don't I, I prefer those characters being like. Here's the thing. Those characters were put through the ringer more than once throughout the stasis of those films and always came back together. They were very much a couple heart of those films. That's how Wes Craven designed them. Wes Craven has passed on. I would prefer they not ruin that relationship. I prefer almost they just leave them out of it because I can't see them being able to tenderly keep what they were, uh, considering just how messy that personal stuff must be. Right. Yeah. Now that being said, hey, I'm sure they get divorced. Now that being said, I know they get along well. Uh, they've talked about it many times. They can be professional, sure. Uh, I, I that's a weird and uncomfortable thing to imagine, though, knowing like knowing that like oh, this, 
Maybe he's not there even There is in no it. way that the heart that was in it before can be replicated because there's something that was so genuine because they were a real couple. Right. Um, and uh, I'd rather that was left alone. We kind of talked about this before. I'd almost rather that all of the legacy characters were left alone because Wes passed on, even though we got other people who were involved coming back. Um, I would rather that Scream was just like, you know, let's just be inspired by those things in a new place. And you could have cameos by Sid or whatever, but I do not want them to be feature characters. This is a... So is Gail just going to be like a super reporter? My excitement, yeah. My excitement about them coming back was when Scream 4 happened, which mm-hmm. was stunning. I now don't need that. This kind of is like, uh, I don't know how to feel. Sure. Yeah, we got that, like, we got, like, that reunion. Now we're just going to get, like, uh, another reunion just because enough time has passed. Like, <sighs> Hello, Joe4771. I, I, reserve, I reserve hope that they will tastefully find a way to make them not the main characters. Even if they're in it more than just cameos, I really hope they're not the main targets, that they're not the main characters. Or just got to be killed. We've done it a bunch of times, and I do not want them to kill these characters. They don't deserve it. They've survived everything else. True. Yeah. Um, okay, so some trailers. We uh, we passionate about Scream. It pisses me off. Go ahead. Um, so some trailers now. We missed it three weeks ago. Sparks, you brought this to our attention. Uh, Mortal. You want to talk a bit about what this one is? Since you yeah, uh, Nate, uh, Nate Wolf. Uh, this is from the director of Troll Hunter, which is super cool uh, and weird little indie film. Um, combining found like a footage comedy Troll Hunter movie. Yeah. It's, uh, combining Norwegian and American style stuff, and uh, this is very much like Norse mythology uh, based. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it looks really cool, just as like a little film project. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm interested. It feels yeah. like, like, like what if like a god fell to earth and has amnesia almost in a way? Because like this dude, like I just think I'm thinking of a god of war. I'm like, yeah, that's just like Balder or something. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of the ultimate version of Thor. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess that. Um, I just like Nate Wolf, like he's in Hereditary, so I support that dude in anything. He's also yeah. in the Naked Brothers band back on Disney Channel. What's up? So um, uh, I just think it looks cool. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this to my attention. It looks like a cool, small budget, like, like superhero Norwegian thing. Yeah, it looks mm-hmm. cool. Um, okay. And then uh, we're, let's move on. Batman, Death in the Family. This is the new. This is the new Batman Death in the Family. They've done it before uh, with the Batman of the Red Hood. Um, this is, that movie's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that now it's bringing back the original cast of that movie with the exception of Jensen Eccles as Red Hood. Uh, so John DiMaggio as Joker, Bruce Greenwood as Batman. Um, and it is a, a, uh, choose your own adventure movie. It is, it is doing what they did in the Mm eighties. Uh, because people, a lot of people didn't like Jason Todd and they're like, Hey, let's see if people want to kill him or keep him alive. And unanimously people wanted that kid dead. Which is yep. shitty, super shitty, but hilarious. It sure <laughs> looks like if you go under the Red Hood route, you just go watch Under the Red Hood. Yeah. I'm yeah. Gonna, are we just gonna rewatch a movie that that came out twelve years ago? Like, well, like pieces of it? Yeah. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that Bruce Greenwood and John DiMaggio are coming back as their respective characters. Like but them. then, like in the trailer, when I see Red Robin, I was like, that's supposed to be Tim Drake, though. Yeah, and then yeah. No, so, so it, it is. So, it is. It is, by the way, the original actor for uh, Jason Todd, the the Jason Todd before he became Red Hood. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it very much seems like it's kind of weirdly supposed to be tied to the Under the Red Hood film. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's also, and it's also weird because Jason, because there are times Jason Todd is dressed up as Hush, where he has so the bandages it, on his head. It makes me wonder that 
even if you choose the under the red hood path it, it still has other options in there to mess things up maybe yeah maybe just to make it more interesting because otherwise you are watching the exact same thing if you pick that route and that's mm -hmm. they're not gonna they can't do that did yeah. did anyone know about this before this drop this week I don't yeah, know. It felt super weird and out of nowhere, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw, or I saw, uh, like a little thing for it earlier this week, and it's like, it's an interactive movie. I'm like, "Like, wait, like, like, uh, uh oh god, what was that? Uh, Black Bandersnatch. Mirror. Bandersnatch. Yeah. Thank you." Yeah. I I also read that it's like some got some combination of DC showcase segments on it. Is that true? I don't know. I didn't hear that, but I do know it's called. It's the full I'll, title is I'll DC Showcase Batman Death in the Family. I'm gonna Google it while you talk. I mean, um, I mean, I, I, here's the thing. I love John DiMaggio as the Joker. He's my I second do. favorite Joker. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a crime that he's only been the Joker in the end of the Red Hood movie uh, and hasn't returned to, to the role. Yeah, I like this whole cast. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like excited to be like, well, I get more John DiMaggio Joker. That's awesome. Is Neil Patrick Harris coming back as uh, Nightwing? Don't know. Don't know. Uh, it's just like, I get, I get Jason Todd being hush. Like, I, I, I could see, I could see like that angle. Uh, I don't know if I want him to be Red Robin because that's just more of Tim Drake getting getting erased. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I mean, he could be. You wouldn't be there yet, but. Oh, remember Tim Drake took the Red Robin mantle from the Kingdom Come Dick Grayson. Oh, okay. true. There very, very true. He did do that. Okay. So yeah. All right then. There you go. I just so, don't, I mean, don't like. Uh, uh, here, here's what it is. Similar to 2010 Superman Shazam, The Return of Black Adam, this will include several other DC animated shorts to make up for its shorter runtime. Also included in this set are the previously released Sergeant Rock, Death, Adam oh. Strange, and the Phantom Stranger short films. Uh, I think what this means is that it's a shorter runtime each time you run through the choices. So gotcha. it's not very long, but there are multiple paths. Yes. Right. But it itself will probably only be less than an hour. Okay. Yeah, because even Bandersnatch, because after you did a certain pass, they gave you the option to go back and pick and choose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's a cool idea. I mean, it, they're they're it is cool that they're like they're doing the same thing they did before. It's like, hey, but we're doing it like the, the modern twenty first century style. I'm like, that's cool. It's also about like, yo, do you want to kill this kid? Like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it's like, just uh, hey, you want to see all these paths? And it's like, I guess so. And it is weird that it's spiritually a prequel to the. Under the Red Hood, so specifically. Yeah, if it was yeah. trying to like, if it, I would say, do you either just retell that same story, or do you do it more closely to the comic, even though it is pretty close to the comic? Um, I guess I don't know what you do in a situation. Don't even make it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd duck. I think we can all agree. It's just a, very odd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do applaud what. I'm, not to completely shut on it. I do applaud DC for yeah. trying something a little new. I, I guess I'm just because you have. Like, you have the Bandersnatch and you have the Kimmy Smith thing, and those are on Netflix. If they were to put this on like DC Universe, that'd be kind of cool. Give something yeah. for that streaming service instead of it being a physical DVD. I wondered if it was designed for that initially. I bet it was. I thought of that when it first. That yeah. streaming thing is dead. Yeah. Oh, dead. Um, speaking of animation, uh, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous dropped the first trailer and release date September or something. I forgot to write it down. Um, this is, I guess, set during the time of the first movie. Is it? Oh, well, wait. The, okay, no, hold on. Jurassic World? Jurassic World. Okay, sorry. I, for a second, I thought you meant Jurassic Park, like the actual first movie, but in this, it's called Jurassic World. Okay. Yeah, because um, we see the Indominus Rex. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, I know kids like dinosaurs, but, like, I don't I don't want a Jurassic Park kid show, I guess. I guess. I'm mm. sure it's going to be charming or whatever, but, the like. Dinosaurs look good. Yeah, I just 
Yeah. I like the concept more than I like what, what I'm seeing from the execution. I've always been interested in like the idea of the other inner workings of Jurassic World, what else they do. Because uh, I thought that was pretty interesting, and I agree with Sparks that the that the first movie should have just been The Park is Open. But I don't want to Thank you. Yeah. No, I was going to say, that's exactly what this show should have been. Pre-Jurassic World, don't have things go wrong. At least not catastrophically. Have kids actually just go learn about dinosaurs and see how the park works. It doesn't need to be high stakes, because let's be honest, you're not going to kill any of the kids. So who gives a crap? I mean, if you're going to have anything, like maybe have a kid get into an entanglement with... Uh, uh, entanglement? Uh, what? No, not like that. Uh, a little tussle what's... with a raptor? No, not tussle with a raptor. Like maybe have like a stare down. Uh, what's the one with the, like, the really hard head? Uh, that one, yeah. Like maybe, yeah, like maybe I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you could have some stinks in, in a, like not a big prior tuck. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because you could have something like that. I mean, I'm talking about what I'm trying to build on what Sparks is saying is like have kids go and learn about dinosaurs. There has to be conflict in your show instead of them just being an entire educational show. They have kids like go where they're not supposed to go, and they're like, oh shit, a dinosaur. Wait, pause. Does there? Does there have to be conflict? Can't yeah. it just be an educational flashy show specifically made for children that uses the universal dinosaur? Oh, oh. Did you, Mag, did you mean to say Lost Lost World? When the girl in the beginning? To the girl in the Lost World. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that girl, you're right. This is a kid's animated show. They're not going to kill the kids. Also, that girl didn't die. They very specifically say that in the Lost World. She just got... Oh, she's sick. okay. She's okay. She's fine. She's fine. Uh, yeah, no, they very much stress that she's not dead. Um, so I always thought she yeah. was. I thought she got <laughs> eaten. But no, here's the thing. Yeah, no, they very, Hammond says it very specifically. Um, In my defense, so, it's been years since the last thing Lost World, but continue. It's time to return. Um, yeah, I, I just, I know the stakes are low because I know none of this cast is going to get killed. Mm -hmm. uh, none of them are in any real danger. The dinosaurs look cool enough. That's they fine. Do. Uh, yes, just set it before Jurassic World. Let the park be functional. This is not interesting to me. This is just bleh. This is yeah. just cash grabby. I don't care. This feels like fan fiction in a sense. I just, for me, it's like everything you're saying about like I do want the park to be open and like people just be going about the day and it is like a normal, normal zoo, but like what does that mean running a zoo when there's giant dinosaurs? That's interesting to me. I don't need conflict when the conflict is like, oh man, we gotta get our shift changed. What if the dinosaur escapes? That's fine for me because it's dinosaurs, right? When you make it up just about the kids, the stakes are gone, right? It's an animated show, none of these kids are dying, right? It's it's Jurassic World again, so it's just the Indominus Rex, we're gonna be camouflage. It's stuff that I've seen before. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, there's nothing here for me. It's not gonna be it's it's I, I yeah, I don't care about this. Yeah, you have the oh, raptors you have blue and the other raptors staring them down. It's you have the T Rex bursting through the gates. It's like Really? There is such a good way that they could have gone about like doing this maybe like five years before Jurassic World takes place. And maybe it's during like a weird time and where they're trying to get more people in, but they're not going the full Indominus thing yet. So they're letting like some exhibits have Predators and Herbivores together to see how they naturally interact. And it's kind of like, is that ideal? for just to watch that and, and but it happens and like they can learn about how they take care of the different dinosaurs that shit's interesting to kids and adults 
I promise you. I promise you. And you could even discuss how, like, they recognize that, like, these aren't necessarily exactly what the dinosaurs look like. We're a little off, and they could talk about what they know. It took super could be that. Put Bill Nye in it. Bill Nye taught oh, yeah. all of us about dinosaurs when we were kids. Feathers. He did it. He could do it again. It's it's so simple. Mr. This could DNA. be a really cool little, like, I'd love to, in five years, go back and be like, hey, kids, want to learn about dinosaurs? It, it, Boom. It, it kind of, it might not be, like, the, as bad quality, but it reminds me of that Fast and the Furious show. Like, yeah. this is literally the opposite of what I want from your franchise. Mm-hmm. I, I have like, troll. I have Troll Hunters from DreamWorks. I'm okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like this, even Troll Hunters looks like higher quality than this. Mm-hmm. Like I just, what, what am I supposed to care about here other than like your dinosaurs look like the dinosaurs from the movie? No shit. Yeah. Uh, like I, I don't know what I'm supposed to latch on to here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Joe says great opportunity, opportunity to discuss DreamWorks kids show. Ethics. Um, then Honest Thief. I just, I'll be honest, I just put this one on here just to pad time. <laughs> uh, I i sent it to Ryan while we were watching it, where I'm like, Taken was good, but can we let Liam Neeson do other things? And then uh, and then that's why we have the other trailer. So, yeah, yeah. this is it's like another, almost the whole cast is great, which stinks, because it looks like a generic. I know, Jeffrey movie. Donovan's in this, and I'm like, man, yeah. I wish I gave a shit. Yeah, there's a lot of really good people, but it's just like another, like, oh, he used to be the baddest man in the world, and we gotta get him. Like, wow. I didn't, I, I honestly, like, we moved on from that trailer to the other Liam Neeson movie trailer, and I totally forgot everything about Yeah. Honest Thief? Is that the name? Honest Thief. Honest Thief, Honest Thief. He, yeah. Because he, he was like, oh, is this the Liam Neeson movie that has his son in it? And I was like, I don't think so. So then we Google that, and then that's what the next trailer is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is, this is sad. It's sad to watch Liam Neeson be wasted on. It's sad to watch Liam Neeson and Jeffrey Donovan be wasted on projects like this. Yeah, Jack yes. Courtney deserves this though. I mean, <laughs> at, at first when I was watching the trailer, I was like, "Hey, this looks like looks kind of cool." Like he's the old, he's the bank robber. He doesn't go around murdering people left and right. He just takes money. He wants to turn himself in and be living a good life. And it goes to shit. No, nope, I've seen this and uh, look at the large variety of Neeson films I've seen. Yeah, all the of them. guy who plays. I like the Commuter. I'll be honest. I heard good things about that one. Yeah, I just haven't yeah. seen it. But I did hear good things. I'm not saying, like, everything he's done since Taken has been bleh. I'm just saying, like, they're very... Even Commuter, I would argue, to some level, they're typecasting him into something that I'm like, he's capable of more. Yeah. He's he's capable of so much more. Mm-hmm. In the 90s, sorry, real quick, but in the 90s, that dude didn't make action movies. That dude did nothing but dramas, hardcore, sad dramas. And then he got... Then he did a little bit more, and then he did Taken, and then he's action, man. <laughs> Um, so that leads us actually into uh, thanks to Ryan uh, and Sparks uh, made in Italy with yeah. Liam Neeson also yeah and his son uh, 20 seconds and I was like I am so much more interested in this so this is Liam Neeson and his real life son playing his son in this movie uh, they own a home in Italy that uh, clearly like the son kind of wants to get rid of the dad wants to, to like furnish up and respect um, all this kind of revolving around the death of his wife slash his mom, uh, which is obviously a very personal film for the two of them because Liam Neeson's wife passed away a few years ago. So I'm all about this. I'm yeah. all about when people do personal projects like this. This looks intimate. I love Liam Neeson just playing a guy. Uh-huh. Just a dude. You don't get to see him just be a dude in like pajamas ever. I know. Like, I... Man, look at Liam Neeson eat that spaghetti. Uh, it's it's great. <laughs> This is, I watched this, and I, I love Liam Neeson. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, it's filmed entirely on location in, a little, in Italy, so it looks great. 
yeah, watching this one, I was I I, I looked at it, I was like, these these are the kind of movies I want Liam Neeson to be making right now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Check his nineties work. Uh, yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of it. I've seen a lot of it. They're all. Just, I am, uh, I am really already great. very touched just about the idea of the two of them working on this project that, in some ways, feels cathartic, uh, cathartic, or or in some way tributary to uh, the loss of the loved one in their life. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm a, a highly interested in this. That looks great. Uh, I'm yeah. so glad that Liam Neeson, as he's getting a project I can't seem to make myself care about has a project that I absolutely give a shit about. And I'm very mm -hmm. happy for that. I Honestly, I think the last thing it was like maybe, was it 2013 when the A-Team came out? Or was it earlier than that? 2011 was the A-Team. Yeah. Because like, he, he's dope in that movie. Uh, that and was I'm like, really good. That's was also really around that. Taken, though. So I'm like, man, Liam Neeson hasn't really been that long. Like, it's got to be yeah. something. But to be fair, uh, Hannibal Smith is that kind of character. Yeah. No, he is, but Liam Neeson hams him up so hard. But I mean, it's he Like, he's having a good-ass time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hey guys, the A team rules. Just gonna throw that out there. It really does. did. Deserve yeah, it does. Um. Okay. That's it. Cool. Topic time. All right. Good night. Transforming uh, into our topic. Uh, like I said up top, guys. Hey, we're having a hard time finding things to talk about. So we decided to talk about Netflix's first part of the of the War for Cybertron trilogy, Transformers: War for Cybertron Siege. Siege. Uh, full spoilers for all six episodes. Why you you have not seen them. Uh, be warned. What do we get? What do we all think? I'll go first. If this came out on YouTube, I'd be pretty impressed. This mm -hmm. came out on Netflix as like a regular show. It's kind of kind of okay. Mm -hmm. uh, this just really, really, in a lot of ways, wasn't what I wanted the show to be. Sure. Um, yeah. oh. There are there are nice things. Uh, we're gonna get into it. Uh, but overall, I found myself constantly being let down by the show, and I wish I wasn't. Ben. I'm the solar opposite. I had a great time with this show. Told you. Did you guys have bets on whether or not I was going to like it or not? No, no we didn't no, bet on it at all. We, we just watched it. We just stated it. And we're like, ben, I think Ben probably liked us. Um, I was pretty unimpressed at the beginning. Uh, but by the end of it, I actually kind of got into it. So uh, by the end, I was I, I was kind of like, okay, I'll watch the next part. I'll watch the yes. next part. Uh, a real quick, Mag. Yes, I agree about Darkman. Oh, uh, yes, my Darkman appreciators. Darkman rules. Darkman's so good. I have always wanted Darkman and the Shadow to play in the same sandbox. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's not the topic at the moment. Not yet. Um, I, I, I just really want to broad stroke very quickly and say, I think it's problematic when the writing of the show actually convinces me that maybe Megatron is right and Optimus is wrong, but they don't explore it. And I hate it. I hate that they don't explore it. In fact, they so specifically don't explore it that anytime it's brought up like to Jetfire, Jetfire, uh, what, why are you switching to the Autobots? And Jetfire's like, well, you know, uh, this isn't what I signed up for. And then an Autobot's like, Jetfire, what did you sign up for? And he's like, you know, I can't remember. I don't even remember what and I'm fighting like, for. No, you have to tell me. The biggest you sin, have to tell me what it was. The biggest sin that this does is it is, yes, it is, um, I would say false promises, if anything, because it sets up all of these really interesting dynamics that they never get explored, never, not once. All this stuff about classism, about racism, all this like all this like class warfare, or like Megatron was oppressed and he he fought in the pits, and you don't know my struggle. All that sounds dope. Never explored. So all the stuff, all the evil stuff Megatron's doing, 
uh, I don't buy it because like you, you want me to buy it and I want to believe you. And sometimes I do believe Megatron more than Optimus, but they keep rewarding Optimus when he is clearly also the bad guy and Megatron just gets shit on for trying to be a good guy. And I'm like, and I, think I, the thing, I think the thing that exemplifies that really well is the Alpha Trion protocols, uh -huh. which are introduced and destroyed. Yeah, okay, yeah. that part I'll give you. That part I was kind of, I'm like, okay, that's bullshit. How about the Guardians? How about who was just like, let me go talk to the Guardians. The Guardians are like, no, thanks. And then, God, and then it's like at the end, yo, what up? I'm suddenly going to get involved. Why? No, actually, actually, I did, I did kind of like, well, the why is because he believes in whatever Optimus is talking about, which I don't know what he is. Um, he's, you kind of do see him. He's like the Guardian who's watching Optimus leave. Uh, you know, you see him through the smoke and he, you kind of get the sense that he will make a supreme. Yeah, he would show up. He would show up a little later. So that was foreshadowed. No, I get that. Let's roll it back because that's 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 ending talk, and I don't want to yeah. get quite there yet. Okay, uh, I really like the concept that Megatron, when the show starts, is actually more neutral, or at least more moderate than the rest of the people around him, specifically Starscream, and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, not uh, and Shockwave. Uh, they are radicalizing him. He's like, I just want the war to end. And they're like, yo, they're man, yo, man, I think we should kill all the Autobots. He's like, I don't want genocide. Yeah. And then it's like, yo, man, I think we should reformat all the Autobots. He's like, I don't, that's not the way. Bro, we have crazy. to change, we have to change sparks and minds. Uh, that is cool. Boy, do I wish they explored that. Boy, do I wish that we saw the progression prior to this moment. That's what I wanted this trilogy to be. The beginning of the war to the end of the war when they go to Earth. This is the tail end of the war, this, yeah. and then they go to Earth. It feels, um, it's called the War for Cybertron, and if you, if you look forward for the synopsis for the next two seasons are, hey, they leave Cybertron. It's not, it doesn't feel like a War for Cybertron anymore. I was really hoping, because the first episode gave me some hope. We're like, we really are going to finally understand after, 40, after 30 years, why are they fighting? Why is Megatron evil? It's just, oh, because he's the Decepticon and they're receptive. I, I would like some nuance. If we're going to make a show that shows a bunch of people spiked and have a bunch of political things, actually go into it. Actually, so towards, the, towards the end of Prime, they really do dive into um, Orion Pax, which is Optimus before he became a Prime, yeah. um, and Megatronus, Megatron before he changed his name. Yeah. Um, in Transformers Prime, they talk about what their life was like before the war. Um, they were friends. And a, a lot of media takes the idea that Optimus and Megatron were friends before the war started. This kind of adds the other wrinkle of that Megatron was oppressed. Uh, and the Decepticons are the are like the lower <laughs> class of the of the of the Transformers. No, they yeah. are. Um, and that, I would have I would have really liked it if we had gone to the beginning and see Orion Pax and Megatronus, uh, see them and then lead to the radicalization that we see the, the, the split. That would have been really cool. So, like, I want to be clear. We have some negatives about the show. It's not that I think the show is bad. I just think I've seen most of it before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And usually just faster. Uh, this took too long to show me things I've seen most of, most of it already. I kind of... Uh, that I already get the idea of it. I've seen the glimpses of, like, the tail end of the Cybertron War. I didn't want that. I wanted a dedicated series about how Cybertron fell apart. The war for Cybertron. That's what I wanted. I wanted the Clone Wars, damn it! Not Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith! That's what I thought it was going to be. Like It was going to be the early stuff. And, and the beginning of the show did give me hope. But the further we got along, and I'm like, 
oh man, they're already talking about the space arc and Teletron One. I'm like, we, I, we're at the end of the war for Cybertron at the beginning of the war for Cybertron, because like the next they, season they're on Earth. They don't really like to. I don't. I don't understand why. I don't understand why the Transformers franchise has such resistance to telling the story before, just before the end of the war. It's the most interesting yes. stuff. I, so, mm-hmm. um, this uh, uh, Clone Wars is the perfect analogy because the clones got so explored in that show. I wanted Decepticons and Autobots to be more explored. I love that there are kernels of it. I love Impactor, yeah. who is a complex yeah. person who says, "I before I was a Decepticon, I was a person." Who cared about Cybertron? Yeah, that's dope. I don't care about the uh, the war as much as I care about the people. And I'm like, that's great. I wish we were exploring those concepts. I really, really do. But they're not in here enough. It's very just surface. glimpses is not enough. I love that Ratchet is like, hey, Optimus, you kind of you kind of screwed us. It's kind of your fault. Ratchet's like the best character, probably. Ratchet is probably one of the best characters. Um, he's because it's nuanced. Like this, this is a much more mature take on Transformers. Like they're straight up showing like people getting murdered and like again like the like the spot body spikes that is not for kids right that is all like that is the type of maturity that i'd like for something like this about transforming robots to take but again it goes out it skims the surface on everything without really ever diving in and it's it's such a disappointment because i'm like don't even introduce that stuff if you're not going to do it right because like it, you're you're robbing the audience of like actual nuance which ratchet has he's him and impactor are like the only characters with real nuance kind of bumblebee like they start him in that way to yes. give him a new angle like you know he's an autobot but no you know he becomes an autobot but not yeah. by choice in this one no. um uh so i just I, 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 I mean, like, I, I think we're all kind of on the same page on, in a general sense that we want to see more of what actually makes the war happen. Oh, yeah, Not, you're like, totally. What these, these opposing forces, because for too long, the Decepticons have felt just like they're bad. I don't know what they want. I don't know what the goal is when they kill the Autobots. What happens after? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they really want on Cybertron to happen next. Uh, because they just never... Ever it's tell us power, um, power control. I'm like, and I and I want it to be more than that. And this at least felt like there were ideas of it. But good lord, it was a six episode series. I thought we would talk about it more. One one of the things that I uh, that I found interesting was I had a similar problem with Zod and Jor-El from Man of Steel. Yes, I don't understand why Zod and Jor-El and Man of Steel specifically are are not on the same side. I agree. I agree. They're doing. They're on the same page. Yeah. And so, so, uh, so Decepticons, Megatron, and Optimus Prime, both want freedom. Yes. From what? No, they don't. Megatron. It Megatron's thing is peace through tyranny. Optimus is uh, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Because when and, he, and, uh, historically. But Megatron and well, this... Well, you can still think that Megatron is the supreme leader. Whereas but, in the beginning, Prime, but in the beginning, Megatron wants to be, have his slaves freed. No, he wants... No, Ben, when the show starts, Megatron is the one who is more moderate, who is saying, literally, when they put Autobots in front of him and Starscream says, we should kill them, Megatron says, we are, no, we don't that's decide. not how we change yeah. sparks and minds. Megatron says that. That implies something more. This is not just about... Megatron does get radicalized as the six episodes go on. But this is not how the war started. Yeah. He did not start as a power grab of being a tyrant. 
that's not what this is. What what bums me out is this starts. It feels like almost more like a, like an Xavier Magneto situation than it is like a supervillain uh, versus uh, like a superhero. It's these two people with conflicting ideologies. They both want they both want all the people to be free, but I don't know who the oppressors are. I don't understand what they're fighting for. It's the Autobots. Well, no, 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 no. Magnus has that part where he's being tortured and he says to Megatron, "Don't ruin Cybertron." Don't become those who we rose against. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Who is that? Who? What was that? <laughs> what is that? That's what I'm saying. That's what I. That should be something that happens in the third part of this trilogy, not the first part of this trilogy called the War for Cybertron. That's what's so frustrating about this show. Because I'm like, it's there. You're, you're hinting that it's there, and I just want to piggyback off. We're jumping to the end for this, but what you said about. Zod and Jarrell. This is why I'm like, dude, I'm kind of agreeing with Megatron because when Optimus is taking the AllSpark to go through the space bridge, everybody is trying to say to Optimus, have you thought about this? Have you really thought about this? And a lot of people believe Cybertron will die without the AllSpark. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Megatron believes that. And he's like, look, dude, I know you don't agree with my politics, but, you're destroying but you are going to kill our home. And I'm like, dude, can you imagine? This is just basically Zod and Jarrell facing off, and Zod saying, "Hey, I understand that you don't agree with the way I want to run things, but you can't just blow up Krypton." It's Billy with a nuke in wasted. And face. that's why I don't like. Yes, everything works out okay in the end, I guess. But Optimus is working off the belief that Cybertron will die. Yes. And it is implied in this show that there is more than just Decepticons and Autobots on the planet. There are Cybertronians who haven't picked a side. So he's just letting them all die. Yes. And the problem Optimus yes. kind of sucks. And the problem I have with that is that when God shows up, he agrees with Optimus Prime. So that makes he Optimus shows up Prime, after the Allspark goes, and then he Prime decides to get arrested. And I'm like, why? And like, and listen, we know that Cybertron was not going to be destroyed. We know that the entire inhabitants of the of the planet do not know they they might not just be killed because of Optimus Prime's stupidity. And but yeah. God, God gives him the. He's like, no, Optimus Prime, you're the good guy. And Megatron so. hits that point so hard, he's like, what you're talking about is extinction. I'm not talking about that. And like, yeah, Megatron's on the wrong side because at that point he's given into. I'm gonna reformat the Autobots, make them have no choice but to be Decepticons. So I'm a cool scientist, man. But from his perspective, Optimus is saying, I'm gonna kill the planet. Yeah, that, that's that's a totally valid point for Megatron to come from. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, like again, like Zod and Jarell in in the mm. council chamber when Zod's like, "Hey, Jarell, join me," and Jarell's like, "Not like this." These, it's the there's, same thing. There's this one. There's some writing in this that really frustrates me. Um, I'm gonna highlight one specifically where uh, Alita says to Optimus, "Optimus, you didn't start this war." And he says, he basically says, "Yes, but I did." <laughs> and, and I'm like, this is. This is frustrating because she's just trying to enforce this idea like Optimus didn't start a war. And he's like, no, I, I did. I did when I decided to fight Megatron. That's that's how the war started. And that's why people blame Optimus. And I, I think there is enough to mine there. And like, we need to know. Uh, like, it doesn't, you need to throw all your other Transformers lower out of your head and just look at this show. Yeah. And you should be able to know why they are fighting each other why people are blaming Optimus for how bad things are. Why people are hesitant to join the Autobots. There must be a reason. Why on some level Megatron sounds reasonable and just is trying to get radicalized by bad actors. Jetfire <laughs> had a reason to stand with him and the show blatantly says, well, we're not going to come up with it. 
That's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that's frustrating. That's, oh, we did this for the first 10 minutes of a movie. That's acceptable because that's Bumblebee. But this is a six-episode show that decides not to explain why people are doing anything. I love the designs. Yeah, I do like the designs. I think it's very much the most that they could do to make them not look like Earth vehicles while still looking like what they're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> they did the same thing for the Transformers War for Cybertron games. Yes, uh, they tried very hard to make them look as different as possible while still looking the same. Yeah. I, I, we'll still like stick into the classic G1 designs, yeah. And, and you've been largely silent through a lot of our ranting. What, what's up? Uh, so, one of the reasons why I enjoy this is because I do know the Transformers lore. I do know all the backstory stuff. That's probably why I enjoy this. From someone who doesn't know anything about Transformers, I agree with you. They probably will not understand what the hell is going on. But as someone who does know about the caste system that was in place in Cybertron before the war, of stuff that was actually going on, why Optimus and Megatron became friends, why Megatron changed his name from Megatronus to Megatron, why he even gave himself the name Megatronus, shit like that, I am aware of and I know. So for so when they're I talking, I am too. I am too. All right, but for first me for shit like that, I'm like, I understand. Do I want? Am I still? kind of mad that they decided to leave right when uh, that the S6 episode ends with the Autobots on the Ark? Yeah, because it's called War for Cybertron. You have to stay on Cybertron. Am I bummed War that for we... Cybertron is now in the stars. Yeah, I kind of hate that. Am I bummed that they didn't explain more about Alvatron? Am I bummed we didn't get a flashback episode? Yeah. Because I would have liked because, see, I have, Alvatron is a name I haven't heard in years. And that was okay. and just okay, because... Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, and I just want to jump in real quick uh, and uh, uh, jump on the the nerd gatekeep right there. Um, uh, I I am aware of the answers to some of these questions. Maybe not all, but but most of them because of just like knowing, looking them up or things like that. Prior to this moment, it doesn't change the fact that the show has access to those exact same answers that you and I know and decides we're not going to say them. We're not going to put them in the show. We're not going to divulge into this. We're not going to make it interesting. When it comes up, we're specifically going to dodge the question. That's bad writing. Yeah. A good adaptation will give the audience everything it needs to understand everything, whether you're a fan or not. You can watch an MC, you can watch Iron Man and not know anything about Iron Man or know everything about Iron Man, and you can still get enjoyment out of it. If you know Transformers, this helps you. If you don't know Transformers, this hurts you. Yeah, you shouldn't have to go watch a four-hour YouTube video essay about yes. why... There was a war on Cybertron to watch a first part of a trilogy called War they're for Cybertron. You. They're selling you on the origin of the Transformers, and they're and not now, you. And now, like, 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 like our like our co-host, Mister Gatekeep, uh, I know a shit ton about. Don't don't land that too hard on him. I shouldn't have said it. I I know a shit ton about about Transformers. My coworker Nora, uh, love her. Oh, she's doing great. Yeah, uh, she's Transformers with everything, right? She's Transformers. Huge Transformers fan goes TFCon. I, I used to talk to her all the time about Transformers. I started reading the Transformers IDW comics because of that. I know a ton of Transformers lore. I it didn't help. <laughs> I like it. My, wait, I like it. I think it's a. I think it's a fine to good show. I but mean, I, I'm not saying I great. love. The, I'm not saying I love the show. I'm saying I enjoyed it. I'm saying I had fun with it. I, one of the things I really love with it is the fact that Optimus Prime is at his wits' end. Because normally, like normally when we see, because normally when we see when we get to now, 
the War for Cybertron is my favorite era in all of Transformers. I actually love I when more stuff that pops up about what happened before they get to Earth, I eat that shit up. I love it because I want to know what, how it happens. It's kind of like uh, Brandon, your love with the prequels, how the politics, how things yeah. got to where we know. So, seeing Optimus Prime just beaten, the Autobots beaten. Megatron essentially has already won in in the show. Seeing just just seeing Optimus beaten and him trying to grasp those last bits of his ideology, I kind of mm. like seeing Optimus at at with his back against the wall. It's just I would have liked to have known why a treaty was impossible yeah. for Optimus and Megatron. Yeah, uh, as if if you uh, if you're just a person familiar with animated shows and movies, I don't feel like there's anything really new here. Yeah. And that sucks. That's the part that sucks. Yeah. I wanted this to be something more when than the glimpses we've been given before in any film, in any show. The show not the comics, cool. not the not the expanded stuff that you can go read. But in any show, that's what I wanted this to be. I wanted this to be the comics. The show. I think I think those two games, the games that share the name oh, yeah. with the series, are much better. Oh yeah, to- totally. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh, they're no argument for me. Those games are phenomenal. But but here's but I think the cardinal sin for me of the show is that they tease these ideas, but they they just languish in them. They don't they don't utilize them. They don't they don't weaponize them. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, I am really pissed off with the way they handle the female characters in the show. Uh, I hate that Alita is basically a woman ignored for the entire run of the series. Um, Every moment that she brings up something, Optimus, she's like, Optimus, will you just, like, consider it? And he's like, I hear you, but I'm ignoring you. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go do exactly what I'm doing. And then Alita has to be left on the planet because she believes in his cause now, whatever. Uh, Moonracer has to get be one of the characters ripped apart by zombies. Uh, It it is not handling the female characters well, Uh, which I understand is kind of just... Transformers, yeah. uh, but they're all left at the end off the planet. Now, to, real quickly, I want to clarify, the Transformers War for Cybertron games, yeah, they're better just on a, on a, um, on a just a everything level, but the, the idea is that it's the exact same period that we just saw on this animated show, and it just tackles that same period, and there's nothing different about them, the exception of the, the games way dive, less action, way less action. Dive, yeah. dive deeper into it. Um, that it, that's just handled better and more interesting. So I have this story already. Yeah, I want right. to know something that yeah, I don't know. Exactly. And there's and Ryan brings up a good point. Um, for how much talking and little action is in this show, the talking is not interesting. They are not telling me things exactly. that I want to know. Well or they're walking right up to it and then backing off. Yeah. Um, I I got heavy, uh, and this isn't indicative of like the actual plot. Well, yeah. Uh, I got prequel vibes. There's a lot of people walking and talking. A lot of people walking and talking in giant hallways. It's just giant, big, empty hallways or, or in the apocalypse or whatever. Uh, a lot of people coming out of shadows and then people coming behind their shadows of the shadows of the people behind them. A lot of that stuff. And I'm like, this is very amateur, man. <laughs> I can't I can't tell you how much I just wanted it to actually bring up political debate stuff about the fact that it opens with Megatron speaking, preaching revolution over genocide yeah. is so important. And that he 
he gets turned away from it too fast, but I, maybe it isn't too fast. It's the end of the war, and I just needed more time with him before that to feel like it was earned. Again, if this season was the last season, yeah. and you just gave me uh, 12 episodes of character growth, we'd be great. We'd be fine. But yeah, be you so started good. at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I but know... then, you couldn't, then you couldn't get the Beast Machines. Yeah, and I know that third season's probably going to be bonkers. Can I tell you something? You just make another series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you don't call it War for Cybertron, the trilogy. It's true. Jesus. Um, uh, I, the same guy did the did the Machinima series. I started watching it. It seemed better, honestly. Again, and that's the... It's, it's just not... It's not, um, it's not fair to, like, the, the creators. Like, this... Again, this this feels like a a like a YouTube machine of a show, just a little bit higher budget. Um, if again, if maybe it was on YouTube, I'd be a little more positive on it. But like, this feels like, yo, man, I could watch The Witcher or I could watch this new Transformer show, and I'm like, well, sh- okay. Um, I just I wouldn't be so mad if they didn't try to give me some like actual depth and then just skim over it like it's nothing. Because like yeah. there are kernels, like you said, there are kernels of like, oh man, is this some like heavy shit? Not nah, you and I. You and I both like, like actively said "f you" to the show when it did the part with Jetfire that we brought up earlier, where the Jetfire literally just responds, "I don't remember what I believed in," and it's like, cool. I mean, I guess we can't have a real answer. The previous episode, like, it's when he defects to the Autobots, and then and then Sparks was like, "I wonder if we're gonna get like the backstory why he joined Megatron," and then we're like. Probably not. And then literally it's like, I don't remember why I joined. I'm like, oh, cool. So there's just like no depth or character. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. It's just there's hundreds of years. The war war was going on for hundreds of years. Feels like seven days. I would have liked to have seen those hundreds of years. And or, Or like each part of this trilogy should have been a different point, like beginning, kind of middle ish of the war. And this is the end of the war. Dude, if I had a whole like eighteen episodes of Megatron slowly getting radicalized, where he starts as like an okay character, dope. Because this first episode, of Megatron is dope. And then he's just like he's he's like not quickly like it's uh, it's only six episodes. It's as quick as it needs to be. But like the shockwave and Starscream whispering in his ear like worm tongue is a cool idea. God, I love the moment when Magnus is being tortured and he says, "Don't become like those who we rose against." And Megatron is animated to not show his eyes and yeah. be looking down. And I'm like, this feels like something this feels like something let me feel this let me care about it but they turn away from it right when that can happen yeah. i really wanted this to be something where like because i tell you right now if if they had explored all this shit i could show this to Megan and be like look transformers are cool like they can be cool yeah i can't say that about this show i can't get her to watch this there's nothing in depth here she even she even noticed the, the, the female stuff at the end she's like i'm not even watching the show i see what they're doing these female characters yeah I'm like, exactly. Geez. uh i still think transformers prime is dope is yeah, that is... i gotta look it up because i watched one one that's of fine shows. we're not talking about it no today. yeah let me see if that's the one that i watched. can we we're judging this one show yeah. no we can't nope it's this show and just this show because this show is being judged on only its merits and what it promised it's true uh uh, okay, so that first episode where they uh, have the part where Bumblebee saying, I'm not an Autobot, over and over, is really hit heavy, specifically when Optimus says, Autobots retreat as the Decepticons are shooting at them, and Bumblebee's like, but I'm not an Autobot! <laughs> I'm like, stop it. Stop it. We get it. Jesus. I, I, I guess it's just because Bumblebee is like the, like, next to Optimus, the most synonymous Autobot, it's hard for me to be like, wow, I, I definitely don't think you're going to join the Autobots. You know what I mean? Like, if it was like a maybe a little, little more obscure character, I'd be like, oh, well, he could be going more or less to the good side or bad side. But I know Bumblebee's not a Decepticon. I know which direction he's going. 
Um, I, I'm just running through some notes uh, right now. Um, it is really cool to see Megatron speaking to the crowds of Cybertron and say, and framing Optimus as trying to assassinate him. Yeah. See, that's the kind of shit I just wanted this show to be. And it's just, it's glimpses. Just glimpses. Uh, Brandon, man, it, I'm sorry. This is, I watched Transformers Animated. Did you ever watch this one? No, I missed that one. Okay, that's the one I watched. That one's also dope. That uh, has the unique designs. I also really like Transformers Armada the, and the Cybertron trilogy. Oh, yeah. I, I remember watching Armada when I was a kid. That really got me into Transformers. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I real quickly, that. Jackson asked you on the... Uh, Jackson asked you on the downright annoyed uh, thing that you guys did yesterday, how how was the voice of Optimus Prime? He's fine. I don't hate it. I don't, I don't I, actually... I actually don't like any of the voice actors because most all the Decepticons sound the same. I disagree. I think Ultra Magnus is the best voice actor in the series. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll when that. he speaks, I feel the emotion of what he's saying. When he calls Megatron brother, yeah. when he's trying to plead his case to Optimus and to him, when he's begging him not to become anything, and when he's saying, you're never going to win this war. I believe Magnus 100% of the time. I also mm-hmm. think Ratchet turned in a good performance. I also, yeah. I also wonder if that's more to do with like his writing and him just being a different character, too. Uh, I, I specifically mean that, like, yeah, it's in the writing, but it's also that like Megatron had good lines, but I feel like Megatron was kind of stiff even with his best lines. Yeah. I think the voice actor for Ultra Magnus put actual emotion, like I could hear a heart, a spark, a voice yeah. behind what was being said. Yeah, uh, I, I like. Speaking of Ultra Magnus, I actually really liked him as a character. Um, one of the things that I really loved was that there was a history that they didn't go into, but there was a history between him, Optimus, and Megatron that they were together, that they were brothers, they rose up together. Um, yes. I like that idea a whole lot. Yeah, me too. I would have loved to have seen it. Loved yeah. to see it. This isn't the show, I guess. I guess there never will be one because this was kind of going to be it. Um, I really love whenever one Autobot transforms into guns on the shoulder of another. I do too. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I really love the opening of episode three when Ratchet is walking through a desolate Cybertron with Megatron speaking over it and uh, comes upon Impactor. Yeah. Love after it. they told, after they said that Impactor was dead, yeah. Um, ben, uh, if you have anything, Impactor jump in. Right. Yeah, yeah. Ben, if you got, if you got anything, because we know you liked it, we want you to get your 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 two cents in. Ah. Uh, uh, no, I, I, I. It's really hard to put into words of why I enjoyed it because I don't absolutely love it, and this is definitely not the best Transformers thing I've ever seen. The most recent Transformers thing that I've seen, I love, is Bumblebee and Prime. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about this one. And I just, I had fun with it. Does it have any problems? Yes. And nothing I, nothing I could say is going to, I got nothing to say. Lindsay Ellis and um, other video essays talk, about, talk a lot about coding. How um, you see certain iconography, you immediately know what that is. In the sense, most Transformers fans, if we don't get the story of how Transformers, of how Megatron and Optimus stop being buddies, um, we see Megatron, we know, oh, he's the bad guy. We see Optimus, oh, he's the good guy. When you, try to, when you try to go into that, when you try to start, when you try to be like, okay, we're going to fight that coding, and then don't, I kind of feel cheated. That's exactly what I mean. Because it's always been black and white, you know, like, we're the good guys, you're the bad guys. You start introducing me, like, nuance and, like, politics, and, like, oh, maybe there's a reason yeah. you're bad. So, 
Yes. Yeah, uh, if if this had just presented Megatron as right from the get-go, he's the bad guy, Optimus is the good guy. Okay, I would have turned off that the deep-thinking part of my brain and gone, cool, Transformers, yes. animation's good, like it, like it, like it, like it. They didn't do that. They specifically introduced Megatron with him trying to tone down the other Decepticons. That is an entirely different take from any other show or movie we've gotten so far. Yep. Not the comics, but shows or movies, yes. That is a Megatron who is not 100% the tyrant yet. And that immediately made me go, what? What'd you say? Um, and also just kind of wanting the show to already be exploring those things. And make me understand that, like, there was something worth fighting for on Cybertron. Because when you jump in at the end, Cybertron kind of seems like, why don't y'all just leave? Yeah, it looks like really shit. Sucks. The fuck are you fighting for? They're all, it's the apocalypse. Like they're 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 uh, uh, scavenging for energon. Uh, like it's it's a, it's the Walking Dead. There's literally zombies in this universe now. So like, God, get off the Cybertron. Uh, I love when Ratchet is uh, is shown to be healing both sides of the war. Yeah. And people are calling him out on it. He's like, look, I help those who need help because f you, Optimus, you screwed this up. Yeah. And and I'm like, cool. Why? Why he screwed up? <laughs> and, and like I'm so can we know more about the people who are caught in the middle? Can we know more about the people I would love. who the Autobots are supposedly fighting for? Because they don't feel like they are fighting for Cybertron. They feel like they're fighting for Autobots. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what the point is supposed to be. Yes. It's right. supposed to be that Optimus has lost his way, but we don't get enough of that. You have Bumblebee. Right. You have Bumblebee, who is who is a, a neutral. He is not an Autobot Cybertron. Mm. So that introduces you to like there's an entire world full of these people we never see. Yeah. Never. So it's pieces of them. Like, sure. Yeah. Sure. And like maybe in like in like a Megatron crowd. Right. Um, but like well, I But also the sound wave was like three the same dude. Yes. And they're all like they're they're all the same characters. Cybertronians. Copy paste. <laughs> the the sound the the sound ooh, sound bot sound mixer. Sound wave. Sound wave. The sound wave lookalike. Yeah, oh, Sound Blaster. Sound Blaster. Sound Blaster. Yeah. The clone. Yeah, his, yeah. His, the clone who's also kind of a failed experiment of Soundwave. Yeah. yeah. Which they say, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Can you can you go back and talk more about that, please? <laughs> can you talk more about the fact that Soundwave was cloned and has a failed experiment? Can you talk more about the Ben Riley of Decepticons? Please? No, we can't. We gotta, no, we can't. We got to move on and go to shoot them. We got to um, go to Earth, guys. It fundamentally bothers me how much they bring up the fact that people believe that taking the all spark from the planet will doom the planet, and like how many, how few people actually contest Optimus about it. Mm-hmm. How quickly Optimus? So it's always been a problem for me in Transformers. Every Transformers thing has done this. I hate that Optimus kills Decepticons willy nilly. Uh, I think that's super problematic. I think it's super problematic and never really addressed properly in any Transformers property that's like, yo, man, you say you're fighting for, like, uh, you know, all sentient beings, beings, but you you kill, like, nobody's business. Starts with him. Go, 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 go. There's that that specific moment when Bumblebee's going to walk out and the other Autobots are like, yo, he might give us away. Can we kill him? And he's like, we are not the Decepticons. And then smash cut to, like, a couple episodes later, him just, like, cutting Decepticons in half. And I'm like, yeah, are you are you not the Decepticons? Because this whole thing opened with Megatron saying, let's not murder the Autobots. So I think you might be worse. You might be the terrorists. Man, imagine if that idea was out there, man. That'd be so dope. 
but Sparks is right. Like because they introduce these ideas, you turn on you turn on a specific part of your brain that you're not normally turning on for Transformers. Yeah. Right. I'd like to. I'd like to. I'd like to be challenged every once in a while. Not every property has it's to be neat, but sometimes it's, it's nice. It is the most interesting thing about the war for Cybertron. It's not just the fact that like they're able to be their most transformer selves because there's no humans there and they can just be the, the characters that they are. It's not just that Cybertron looks dope most of the time, which is true. It's that it matters more because the characters are able to express the things that they believe in, who they are, and what they're doing. And none of that is allowed to fully blossom. Mirage, Mirage has a cool power that he actually makes things Mirage. And I, I prayed in the back of my mind that this, this season wasn't going to end with them actually going through the space bridge. I was like, please don't tell me that we're not going to just expand on what's at least here. We're not going to expand on what's at least here. Uh, uh, Magnus, Magnus shackled in the opening of episode four and being taken in the rain is probably one of the coolest visual sequences I've ever seen in any Transformers anything. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's great. Uh, that was great. awesome. Um, yeah. Hey, cool Alpha Trion, but we'll never know him. Um, that was dumb. That was all dumb. Uh, the whole Alpha Trion little, protocol it, is dumb. It's a little confusing. It's a little confusing when you take into like they're talking about like the people they rose against that Optimus and and Matt, oh, Ultra Magnus and Megatron were like rose up against them, and then there's Alpha uh, Alpha Trion and and like how does he fit into their relationship? Um, why did if if he died before people rose up, then why did he just give the Matrix and the Protocols to Ultra Magnus and Optimus and not to Megatron? So it's super confusing because I don't know who was fighting for what to begin with. Because Alpha Trion was supposedly leading Megatron and Optimus and Ultra Magnus, as the show says. But mm -hmm. Megatron kills Alpha Trion. Why? Well, they'll never tell us. Whatever. Because he's bad, but he's not. Because he doesn't start bad. So Certainly at that point, he wouldn't have been that bad. Exactly. That's what the show would lead you to believe. So it's yeah. like, you had to have a reason. What was the reason? Um, and then you've got the uh, impactor who claims like, oh, you're the Autobots. You hang up up in your ivory towers drinking Energon while we're all working in the lower class. And I'm like, well, now hold up a minute. Optimus is an Autobot. He was fighting alongside Megatron. They were rising up against something. I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and this isn't me, like, saying, again, that me as a nerd doesn't understand some of the concepts of what's actually supposed to be here. This is me saying, as a person who watches a show, that you're telling me things in a confusing manner that makes it so I can't enjoy and appreciate it. Yes. Uh, just to be clear. Yes. Um, Magnus's death is dope. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, I like everything. I like everything with Ultra Magnus. Yeah, he's uh, I like everything with Jetfire also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jetfire uh, as he starts uh, cutting off Starscream's arm when he's gonna kill the Autobots. He's like, "Yo, yeah. man, not how we do it." Um, I just wish they let him talk about what he believed in. Um, I'm really glad that they give the opportunity for Alita to be a voice of reason. That it is a female person who cares about Optimus, who's trying to say things that make sense. I just hate that nobody listens to her. Um, thanks for being totally useless, Guardians, except at the end, I guess. Um, <laughs> that was stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, <sighs> also, if, 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 if the AllSpark is going to destroy Cybertron, why wouldn't the Guardians be like, 
Uh, hold on, Optimus. Right. That's what I... Yes. Uh, yes. That's when the Guardian should have showed up. Before it went through the space bridge, and I would have been like, yo, this is, this is understandable now. Why yeah. a Guardian got involved. Because he's like, yo, you're doing some crazy stuff right now. I gotta stop both your asses. Yeah, and F you, Guardian, you had your chance. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'd want. Um, what, what are the purposes of the Guardians, in not in Transformers lore, but in, specifically in this series, what purpose do they serve? They're Watchers. They're the Watchers from the Marvel Universe. They but they're not called Watchers, they're called Guardians. They no, hide in mist. They hide if they do. And they talk about, like, we, we can't get involved with your shit. And then, like, but we do when it gets this bad, I guess. Somebody so watched Somebody watched Revenge of the Fallen too many times. That's what I got. You're guarding Cybertron. Why aren't you involved? Right. Um, Bumblebee uh, being forced to become an Autobot because the Alpha uh, Alpha Trion protocols go in him. Not kosher. And not relevant because they disappear. Yes, uh, the only thing that matters is it lets them know where the Allspark is then is immediately undone because Deus Ex Machina. God, Um, I hate that. Yeah, I hated it too, Ben. I hated it too. Well, okay, uh, so one of the things I thought was actually kind of cool was the fact that Sa- uh, Shockwave had a virus. I'm like, oh, yes. vi- a virus that will that could wreck their shit. I'm like, okay, yeah. okay, I dig that. That's actually kind of cool. And then when Bumblebee grows, was like, they're gone. I'm like, you literally had them for an entire for one episode, one episode, and they're gone. And same with the zombies, like like you, you man, you were like, man, what if like the whole show is just some funny zombies? I'm like, bro, you they're not doing that. Like, they introduce so many cool ideas, and then it's like, no, no, fight. Zombies were done better in Transformers Prime, just saying. No, no, I agree, they were. Dark Energon, baby. But I don't don't like that Bumblebee doesn't choose the Autobot life. Yeah. Uh, But it is forced upon him, and then he's like, I guess that's cool. Because he's Bumblebee. Because we don't go into, because we don't go into, like, why he was an objector of choosing sides. Really, we don't. Right. It's an interesting take, yeah, but it's not one we explore. Um, I like that. Like again, going back to the sound blast, feeding the virus through Magnus was yes, sick as hell. That's probably my favorite like image. Is is that poor robot strung up and then he, like lights up and he's like shaking with you know, virus juice and I'm like, oh mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. Um, poor Moonracer. Of course, it's another female Autobot killed by the Zombots. Um, okay, so so real quickly, so the female Autobots are are very late additions to the canon, even RC. So so, first off, where was RC? Oh, I remember RC was with some. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, she um, was there for a hot second, then never saw again. Okay, so you have, no, I'm not transforming. By the way, for a Transformer series, I expected more transforming. Yeah, um, me too. That's my biggest problem. Not, not enough action. Not enough action. It's yeah. the same same issue like Transformers: Age of Extinction. No, whatever the last one was last night. Um, for a show that's uh, doing so much talking, the talking isn't good enough, and the action isn't high enough. Yeah, uh, for a Transformers series, just like Transformers the last night, if you're not transforming, I'm docking points. Um, there's there's some, but it's not a lot. Like everyone should have a vehicle mode, but the female Autobots are very late to the canon, especially these new ones like Alita, Moonracer. Um, there's Windblade, I'm sure is going to show up eventually, but right. we, you have so few of them because they didn't because they just don't have enough. There's so few of them. And you're killing them? My, my, or, or abandoning them. Yeah. I, yeah. Frustrating. Absolutely frustrating. My, my problem also is, even with... There's a lot of clone characters that just get killed off or have like one single line, but like it's kind of the problem with some of the Transformers movies where you have a lot of like generic-looking grunts. 
-hmm. There are so many Transformers. There are so many Transformers. There's no reason you needed six clones of the same dude in this battle. You could have two uh, more original. Maybe it's a budget thing. Probably a budget thing. But I'm like, man, like, maybe they're saving them for the for, to be on Earth. I'm like, sure, okay. But like, man, there's there's so many characters they could have used instead of like these random grunts. I'm yeah. Like, eh, okay. Uh, my my one last major note is that I really love Impactor's sacrifice for Ratchet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that whole little bit of story totally worked for me. Pretty much because it is on some level trying to be a heart of proving that there is more than just bad Decepticon good Autobot. Yeah. And boy do I wish the show was all about that concept. I, I can't get over that the show frames this idea that Optimus is probably in the wrong even if his actions work out, yeah. he's in the wrong. It's a because, approach. Because he's going to... <laughs> I didn't say it. We're all dead already. All the, the Cybertronians are dead already. That's guy, Optimus's viewpoint. They get rewarded. God shows up and helps him out. God. <laughs> um, it, it's not, it's yeah. not punishing enough on Optimus for, like, being too blind in his optimism. It's yeah. not doing that enough. And it's not... It, it is it is frustrating that you have a final episode where the villain is saying, dude, you're literally about to pull extinction. And I'm like, yo, I agree with the bad guy. <laughs> On paper, this is not okay. I can't side with you, Optimus. You haven't justified this action. He's just uh, unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well. And he, they, they talk about it like, you're, an, you're inexperienced. So it's like, Okay, well, how long after the war did he become Optimus Prime? And yeah. how long has it been? Yeah. I don't think that they did enough thinking about what the actual, like, history of their interpretation of the war is. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, I, I think that obviously answers exist about most of this uh, in comics, just the way that Ben knows it, uh, just the way that most of us are aware of it. But they didn't seem to, like, chart out an idea at all of how these events line up. Like I said, the whole Alpha Trion where Megatron landed doesn't really make sense with a Megatron who opens the show saying, I kind of believe more in revolution than killing everyone. Dude, there, there but really, I murdered Alpha Trion. There's a giant like, uh, memorial piece of, of Megatron killing him that he's like preaching to people over this giant statue of him killing him. Like, but you're also supposed to be like the neutral one here. Like you're giving me really conflicting things. Like, I, yeah. messy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, ben, uh, ben, you got. Give me something. Uh, I liked it. You can tell ben, you liked, liked it. it. Like I'm not trying to I, shit on you. I mean, I'm not trying to convince you guys to like, hey, you should like this thing. I because one of the things that I thought was, I just liked how it was. It took the. God, I'll I cannot. Still, I'll still watch the next part. I liked it enough to. I know. I am. I I will like to watch the next part because I'm actually hoping that the next part does bring us some of the questions that. Like why did why did Megatron turn on Alpha Trion? How did Optimus and uh, Orion Pax and Megatronus meet? And how and what the cast system was before the war? Of course, that should have been in season one, but that's not where we're getting. So, of, hopefully, they learn from mistakes. But I highly doubt they will because they're on their way to Earth. I mean, it's, it's already done. So, yeah. My, yeah. So looking into what the next season is, like I didn't look at like plot to plot, but I looked at what the what the story of the next two seasons are, and they are unless they do lots and lots of flashbacks, we're moving mm -hmm. forward. Which uh, bums me out. Like, season I, two is Earth. Season, season two is Earth. Again, season three is like the like 
I don't want to get, if you don't want to know, like, season three is the batshit crazy season, but it's still not the season that I want if they're just right. doing something crazy. Like, season three sounds like fun, but it's still not the show I came it's for. It's not the Warp for Cybertron. For Cybertron. Yeah. yeah, we came yeah. for the Warp for Cybertron. We're getting, like, season one's on Cybertron, and seasons two and three are on planet Earth. It's, it's like, going to be, like, just repeats of stuff we've already seen just in this animation. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want the. Yeah. Ben, yeah. Um, uh, you were on, a, you sorry, were on something before we tangent to the way. Because uh, one of the things I did notice at the very beginning was how Megatron kind of was making sense. And I was like, oh shit. But as the season, as the show went on, and you see Megatron get more unhinged, you see him like let Soundwave take away all the safety. Because even, uh, not Soundwave, Shockwave. Shockwave says, you put in place safety restrictions. And then he's like, yes. fine, yes. unleash him. And yes. even when, when, he, when they do the virus part, and Soundwave is like, I have to warn you, this is going to damage all of Cybertron if they do. So, now, you guys are talking about Prime taking the AllSpark off of Cybertron, and that's already killing, that's going to automatically, like, Cybertron is going to die. Right. And Prime... That's what they... That's what the... Here's the thing. That's Mm -hmm. what a lot of people believe, and Prime has no reason, and Prime has no reason not to. Right. Um, oh shit, I had something... We were, talking, we were talking about the AllSpark and how yeah the whole spark all spark but even but essentially Megatron already destroyed a bunch of the, the planet already the war destroyed physically and then the, with the virus the virus screwed everything up so taking the AllSpark off of Cybertron uh, we all can see at the end of the season doesn't completely the plant doesn't implode sure but staking the AllSpark off of Cybertron essentially doesn't do it. it's prime taking away the weapon that Megatron is going to use to forcibly change everyone's minds that was the thing that Optimus didn't want Megatron to use it for. Optimus was like, I'm not giving Megatron... Like, when Jetfire... Like, I hate that Jetfire doesn't tell us why he joins the Decepticons in the first place. I also hate that. I was like, oh, I can't remember. Oh, that's a cop-out line. Screw that. But Jetfire... uh, Obviously, with Jetfire turning sides, seeing how Jetfire is an honorable man, there's a line in one of the earlier episodes where he says, there's no honor in this. There is no truth. This is not... Like, when he's challenging Starscream, he's like, Starscream, chill the F out. Because Starscream oh, I, is obviously more radical, and then when Jetfire turns to the Allbots, he's like, there's no honor. I don't want to see an entire race destroyed. Yes. Real, just real quick about, about the Allspark, then. What we're talking yeah. about is when, when they say if you take the Allspark off the planet, it will destroy everything. That includes everybody that's on the planet. Everybody will die. Which And, and I want to say, like unlike other Transformers things, this show went out of its way a little bit to expand on the fact that there are Cybertronians there are many Decepticons. There are more Autobots than are on the on the ship when it mm-hmm. goes through the space bridge. And there are people who have not joined either side of the war. Optimus is potentially condemning them all to death. We know he's not. That is what the show right. says. We know, he's not. we know that that's not what happens, but that is the belief system. That is what mm-hmm. Megatron says. You are going to kill everyone. I was just going to like brainwash you and put everybody on one side. But you're going to kill everyone. That is the belief. And Optimus has no reason to not believe it, and he does it anyway. Yes. And that's a dangerous, dangerous stance to depict him at. Again, mm-hmm. Ben, like my my again, it's like it's like in wasted space when Billy drops the nuke. It right. is no it's no one wanted him to do that. It's not a good idea. He's not listening to his friends. He's being a bad leader. And mm-hmm. Optimus Prime is the quintessential leader, mm-hmm. and he's going to nuke all his friends. It's just it's it's just out of character. It doesn't make any sense. Especially when Megatron is the one trying to talk you out of it. And then what's worse is uh, there's no ramifications after that. Optimus Prime is the hero. Again, God shows up. Everything is great. 
and that's just like that's not a good message to send if you're trying to write some nuance in your you, in your you specifically have his one of his closest confidants in alita telling him hey i think you need to think more about this i don't know if this is the right play yeah. and optimus just ignores her yeah. optimus ignores everybody the I film thought, doesn't give a good this is the most i've ever not liked optimus the film the film honestly yeah, I think I actually like him less than I liked him in the last two Transformers movies because he was very out of character in them, killing humans left and right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you never get to you never get Optimus saying like, "I have faith in the Allspark that it won't kill us," or "I have like you never you never get anything like he, either he knows or he has a strong belief that it won't destroy Cybertron, right. uh, strong enough that he does. But he doesn't. He's right. only going like, well. Of course, we we'll probably would have, can't get it. One of the things that probably would have helped if it was a visit to Vector Sigma, but we don't get Vector Sigma at all. Vector Sigma is never mentioned in this at all. Or yeah. Primus. Or or Primus. well, they mentioned Primus a few times. They mentioned Primus a few times. They mentioned Primus as their god, but if he was approached by Primus, yeah, in a, that, in a like a spiritual mm-hmm. thing, or or if this whole show had started again as that black and white Decepticons bad, Autobots good, all the Autobots are on a ship, only Decepticons left on the planet as far as we know, and then he does it, then it's like I, I it's a slightly more acceptable choice. It's still gray area, but it's at yeah. least like, oh, he's only condemning the, the Decepticons who are trying to kill them to death. All his friends are being saved, and there's nobody else on the planet that he's harming. It's still but that is specifically not what the show is setting up. Yeah. yeah, and that's why it's like, yo, Optimus, I think you're wrong, even if it works out. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's anyway. that's what's that's what's so just mind-bogglingly upsetting about it's it. It's just frustrating because I do yeah. like it, but it is frustrating. Again, there are there are there are things that I really like about it. It's just there there are so few and far between everything else i think more than anything what it is is it's so frustrating because like there's clearly a good show like not just a good show a great show analyzing the politics of the decepticons versus the autobots in this they just didn't go for it yeah and that's almost more upsetting than if they just done the generic autobots decepticons meh 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 go to earth it's it's more frustrating than that there are times it's it's like when the kid it's like when we were playing with an active victors and going like and smacking them against each other Right. It's that, but but it's like your mom whispering, hey, have you ever told me about class warfare? And then, you're like, oh, 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 oh. And then she never brings it up ever again. I'm like, but yeah. you were going to teach me. And she's like, um, did you know that Megatron used to be oppressed? And then she walks out of the house yeah. for the rest of your life. And you're like, what do you mean he used to be oppressed? <laughs> Megatron's a good yeah. guy. Runs. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's so. Uh, and then, and then, just the caveat I think that we can all agree with, which is we wanted a war for Cybertron trilogy, where what happened at the end of this show was the end of the trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. And this show didn't do that, and I think we were all just in general disappointed by that fact. Um, yeah. And that's that's kind of a general uh, feeling about it. But I do think the animation overall is good. Yeah. There's obviously some nice things in here, or I wouldn't be so upset. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, okay. Uh, do we want to move into our book club? Uh, yeah. I, do we not rate these things? I don't know. Because it's a show. Oh, I don't it's know. like a long movie. A, a long movie. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I don't know. If I had to rate it, I'd probably seven. Yeah, yeah oh, me too. I would go like 5.5. 5. Yeah. Because like seven's a pass. And I like a six, yeah. I guess. I, I, just, I want so badly something that actually does the things we've discussed. Uh, and I want a Transformers product that does that, 
and I, by golly, I I just really thought this would be it, and yeah. it just just if, isn't. If the comics go as deep as like I like this show like pretends like it, it wants to, like I, I'll check out some of these comics because like I'm I'm definitely into the the pre-struggle. Of, I'm into the warp Cybertron. Uh, I played the game, and I've seen the show, but like if the comic goes into the depth that I want, I might check the comics out. Yeah, but I don't yeah. know if they do. They the, there are ones that do for sure. Uh, the yeah. current the current ones are going through the war. Which is why I was saying, like, I, I told him this while we were watching it. I'm like, I think the only way I'm ever going to get the Transformers stories I want is out of the comics. It doesn't yeah. seem like any of the shows or movies are ever going to be ambitious enough to actually do the stuff I want them to do. Instead of just be yeah, um, action figures fighting. Yeah. I love yeah. the idea of challenging Optimus's beliefs because I don't know that Optimus's beliefs are always right in any version of Transformers. I think he's a little reckless as a leader. Yeah. Um, so I love when that gets challenged. I wish there was more of that. I love, love, love the idea of a Megatron who starts out being like, yo, some of you guys are a little too crazy for me. You got to pull it back. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. The Ben, you said probably a 7 as well? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ryan, 5.5 and Spark, 6. Yeah, I I am... I do want the next one to be better. I just, I, I don't I have no faith in faith. it while uh, it's going to Earth. Yeah. Well, we'll see when that drops, whatever that is. I think um, they announced it. No, they just said coming soon. No dates oh, okay. yet. Okay. Um, okay, so let's move into our book club. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd Comic Book Store. Can I help you find anything today? Yeah, hi. Um, Do you have any books? Can you be more specific? Um, anything readable? It's my turn. Um, I picked a Spider-Man life story, one of Marvel's rare six-issue miniseries. I was going to pick it in the near future, but yeah. you can do it, and that's okay. That is okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. It really is. It's okay. Um, Bitch. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so what do we think about this one? I'm gonna tell you right now, guys. I think this. I think this book's incredible. I think I, this is. This is. I, I read it when it came out. Um, this. This does what the Marvel Grand Design books do, but um, in an actual, like, much better narrative way, where those books are kind of. So the Grand Design books are every single issue that's ever come out matters. So they try to incorporate every single thing from the entire continuity into the X-Men Grand Design or Fantastic Four Grand Design. This kind of does that, but it weaves it into a much more uh, traditional narrative story. Uh, but also, it's not trying to match. And it's, no, it's not. It's not I just mean it's, yeah. a, it's the same type of, uh, of storytelling. No, I get it's you. incorporating everything about Spider-Man's history uh, while uh, doing some uh, retro uh, uh, remixing of it as well. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's really dope as hell. Uh, Sparks? Uh, Yeah, I love it. Um, Boy, you want to talk about a solar opposite of uh, what we were just talking about in Transformers. Uh, This totally explores uh, the complexities of discussing war and what side you should choose. Holy crap. Uh, This is exactly what I wanted in the Transformers product, but here it is in Spider-Man. I guess that's cool. (laughs) Uh, Ben? Yo, I love this book. Mm. I absolutely... I had a blast reading it. I was... I, man, this book was just great. Yeah, I, I had, a, had a great time. I really liked this book. It's my first time reading it uh, for this book club. Um, I, yeah, I love the art. I thought Zdarsky's writing is so on point. Uh, by the way, I love every Spider-Man costume that shows up in this book. So do oh, yeah. I. Uh, having Mark Bagley come back uh, to do Spider-Man was so nice for me, uh, being a person who loved 
the Ultimate Spider-Man run, and he does m the majority of the art on that yeah. Yeah. Uh, until he left the series towards its end, uh, like its last eight. Um, uh, I really love when he does these characters. They yeah. look so, so good. What I, uh, um, yeah. We talked about how it like weaved Spider-Man's story, and basically, for those of you who don't know, it is Spider-Man as if he would to age normally. Uh, so 65, he's 15 years old, and go on from there. Yeah. Um, that's and, one of the reasons why I love this book. And it and it mirrors every every decade that it jumps to. It does mirror kind of the major events that happened in Spider-Man's life. It, it does um, the, the X-Men movie model uh, correctly. Yeah, and one of the things that yes. I really yes. liked. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, one of the things that I really liked is how they handled the Clone Saga. I thought it was such mm -hmm. a cool tribute to that idea. The stuff with Ben Riley, like, yeah, that's a character I honestly, like, no disrespect to him or, like, the fans, like, I never, I, I skipped the Clone Saga, so, like, I didn't really read much Scarlet Spider, but this makes me, like, want to check that character out. Cause, like, and the revelation of Gwen, the yeah. clone survived? Yeah. Oh. What, a, what a good twist on how to do the Gwen Stacy died bit without yeah. doing yeah. that. All, every, every everything in this book is something that's happened in Spider-Man, but almost all of them are twisted in some way. Right. Um. Like dude, this, the the stuff at the end with Miles and Doc is like, yeah. Jesus Christ, I loved it so much because immediately you could recognize that it's not Miles Morales, or, or at least you recognize like, okay, this is a much darker Miles Morales than we're used to, and even Peter recognizes it. Yeah, yeah. He does like the smile, like it's me, Doc, and I'm like, oh shit, dude. Uh. Every every page of this book is so fun, and Mark Bagley's art is so he's the quintessential Spider-Man artist, maybe besides like maybe. Uh, uh, Ramita Jr. He does uh, one of my senior. favorite Norman Osborns. Yeah, dude. Uh, I love when they just make Norman Osborn with the waves and the hair like mm -hmm. that's, uh Everything about this book feels classic, but also feels like like a 21st century version of it. Um, mm -hmm. I just, everything, the stuff with Captain America, man, like all the stuff with the political stuff and like the war and like what Spider-Man's responsibility and like going to war. It's this, book, you, this book did Civil War better than Civil War. Oh, dude, Tony is such an asshole. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. The idea of the Civil War being fueled by ramifications of the Vietnam War yes. mm -hmm. and 9-11 makes it so much better. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, this this or, does, handles a lot of the event stuff, both in Spider-Man's life and the Marvel Universe better. Or even yeah. just seeing other, like, seeing Captain America in Vietnam and him, like, throwing his shield at American soldiers who are about to open fire on a civilian village. And then one of them looks up and says, I heard you turn traitor. I'm like, that's what? That's a hell of a page. Yeah, that is. is just saying like Captain America turned true. What is going on? Yeah. Because we were wrong when we were in Vietnam. So no, I, I, I all that stuff with Iron Man and like, what is your, <laughs> what is your Sorry. obligation as a superpowered person to help your country? Yeah. Uh, it's something yeah. that Watchmen deals like, and like, this is not like, uh, it's not like it's not as like quintessential as Watchmen, but like, this is tackling the same things that I want comics to actually tackle. Um, you can't do this in your regular Spider-Man book, but you can do it in its own story. Um, or like when uh, uh, when Peter and Flash are talking at the bar, and Flash oh. tells him, "It's like I'm going to war because that's what Spider-Man would do." Yeah, and it just like it just hits the hit. The, it hits him even harder, and oh yeah, oh yeah, the Vision page. Vision, uh, who who is just intangible at the center of where the nuke dropped. And it wasn't because it, it's either because of the nuke or because of the horrors that he saw. Like, right. oh, like there's a whole, the splash page, like he's Mary Jane's giving birth to their children. He's like, Peter's never been gone this long. He's in secret wars. Yeah. Yeah. All the characters actually age with them. So Reed's old, Tony's old. Like I'm I old. love Reed's look. I love <laughs> Reed's look. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny because like you get down the road and Spider-Man's like 40, and then Thor and Hulk are there like yeah. young as ever, and they're like, hey, what's up, Spider-Man? Um, yeah, isn't or, like, Captain America calls him son, and he's like, dude, I'm like 60. Yeah, exactly. The way that Peter gets the symbiote and how yeah. the symbiote goes from him to Kraven the Hunter is just awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Craven, um, the Kraven, again, like that Craven, uh, Craven's Last Hunt is an excellent story. Yes. If you've never read it, this is a dope-ass interpretation of just like two issue, two pages of that story. Yes. Uh, I agree. This whole thing um, is so good. Yeah, I really like it. I will say that uh, Doc Ock, uh, my first person when I first oh, read it. Sorry, they kept Dr. Octopus getting married to May Parker. That was a super important part of Spider-Man's history yeah. when it happened. Yeah. I love it. I love it as an informative thing. I love the way they handle Doc Ock. Yeah, uh, throughout this book um it feels much more this is look this arc of how doc ock is handling this is a far more believable place for me to to understand where he gets to as superior spider-man yeah than what superior spider-man actually is yeah. in fact i find a lot of dan slots in ideas interpreted better in this book um yeah. personally yeah uh, because this is a doc ock who's like i want to be a better person rather than i got in your body and your your conscience and memories changed me yeah uh, <laughs> it's an actual conscious choice on its own yes exactly uh, something that's evolved of like i feel like i did my life wrong i just i'm obsessed with doing it better uh, and i still love the the miles reveal he's like i wanted it to be you but you weren't there i had to take this kid he's so yeah, much yeah. younger anyway you were too old and yeah. dead <laughs> um yeah i really like that stuff a lot um i i really like uh I really like a lot of it. The one thing that, that um, the first time I read through it was like hard for me is I'm like, this is a really depressing story for Peter. Yeah. Uh, through most of it, I'm like, man, Peter has a shit life. Um, which you could argue is kind of true of Spider-Man in certain aspects, but there's usually always like some silver lining. But this just goes through the decades and like shit's just getting bad. Like so just the, bad and bad and bad. The old, the old Avengers. Oh, the old Luke Cage. And, uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite pages is um, after it's quote unquote revealed that Peter Parker was in fact Ben Riley and Ben Riley was Peter Parker, yeah. um, it, in the same issue we find out that that's not true. That Peter is just doing this for Ben so that he can have a have a normal life and Peter right. can go be with Mary Jane. And Peter goes to confront Norman because it was his plan. That whole scene is my favorite scene in the entire book. Oh, when he's an old man, old man Norman. When uh -huh. old man Norman is in the bunker and he's and Peter's just there, he's like. I know you planted that evidence. Right. Uh, do you, how familiar are you guys with that time period in Spider-Man? Not very. Not very. Okay. That That's actually all what happened. Um, Peter steps away uh, from being Spider-Man and lets Ben take up the mantle, except Ben Riley does actually do it as the Scarlet Spider and himself. But Peter stops being Spider-Man and leaves with Mary Jane because they're pregnant, and then they lose their daughter. Um, mm. And then you get the, the Spider-Girl uh, what-if she actually like came to came May to birth and Mayday? like became a yeah Mayday and, Parker yeah uh, and became a teenager, uh, but all that concept actually really happened and then Peter had to come back into the world and be like yo I'm actually the real Peter Parker and so, I know. I really love like how Norman is is attacking Peter and he's like you know you killed my son because at this point Harry's dead yeah um, and even as he's dying and Peter's like holding him and he's dying he just goes hate you that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. This is last words to Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's it's a great encapsulation of Norman and Peter's relationship with each other. Uh, oh my God, with... They, 
at all times. They even find a clever way to do Spider-Verse at the same time as Civil War. So, so real quick, uh, yeah, so Moreland, Moreland shows up from the Inheritors, and that's Spider-Verse stuff. But they do an incredible thing because the, the Spider-Tonum thing was introduced in J. Michael Straczynski's run in the early 2000s. And Spider-Verse happens 15 years later. Yeah. So they incorporate two separate ideas for the same thing in one page. And I'm like, God, comics are great sometimes. This is why I was saying they interpret Dan Slott's ideas much better yeah. in a way that I find much more digestible and true to the character. Because that Spider-Totem thing makes Spider-Man a supernatural character when he inherently was never before. But mm -hmm. they still add that with the regular science stuff, with the multiverse stuff. And I'm like, it's all good, baby. It all matters. Right. Yeah. Um, I really love the way that they do uh, things like Reed Richards, especially seeing Reed Richards age. Um, I love a lot of fun. I love Reed and Tony. Like I love when those characters are alive. I love I love Reed's. I love Reed. You know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Susan's left him for Namor. Yeah, he won. Namor yeah, I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Um, but but like even having Reed challenge uh, Peter's ideas of like you can just give this to everyone and Reed's like yo dude it doesn't work like that yeah. we can't just give this shit out to everybody the entire world um, is superpowered he's like wow you're sh you're shitty Reed yeah well it's it's do you know how much money the textile industry would lose because because I gave them this ex this extraordinary clothing yeah um the fact that uh, Peter gets to marry Gwen Stacy and uh, the way that issue opens with them at Flash Thompson's grave is woof. Um, Dude, yeah, yeah, dang. Uh, yeah. But then uh, uh, the the way that his and Mary Jane's relationship is forced to spill out that moment where she has to shout, "I'll never be anything in the perfect shadow of the perfect wife, Gwen Stacy." Yeah, man, and I'm like, oh my god. And again, that's, oh my god. That's something that I love about this book because Gwen Stacy was his first love, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people, especially like more modern people, don't know that they just know MJ. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's cool. Like MJ is his new love, but Gwen was there first, and she was his first true love. And the fact that they both get to be in here, and it is tragic for tragic for both of those characters. This is the only version where I find it acceptable for Peter to run a corporation like Parker Industries, mm -hmm. not the junk that was created in the main universe. For but you. here it makes sense. Yeah. And um, one of the things I, you know, so they introduced the jackal, but not but not he's not the jackal, but how he. Um, he takes Mary Jane. Uh, somehow he took Mary Jane and replaced her with a clone so he could have... Gwen. Gwen, Gwen, Gwen Stacy, sorry. He wanted the original. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the one that dies was kind of the moment where, where I just kind of had to be like, put this book down and take a breather because that to me was really rough. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Harry shows up as the Black Goblin and yeah. I love it. That's yeah. Okay. It's a cool way to do the Hobgoblin. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and funny like thing that. is, a goblin kills Gwen Stacy anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Craven, Craven Venom. Uh, he's just a oh. pilot because Craven's been dead for so long. Uh -huh. That is a cool idea too. Like, man, yeah. Uh, yeah, when he looks like a skeleton. Even uh, when, uh, like, after Peter dies from Craven the Hunter, and the symbiote takes over, and it like it saves him from being dead because you see the tombstones like here lies Spider Man slain by the Hunter. I'm like, oh, this is some heavy shit. And then right when he's about to kill Craven himself, and then Mary Jane comes by and blasts him with the with the sound wave. Or the sound gun, yeah. I'm like, man, that was a really cool way to do the symbiote. And how he got the symbiote even was in Secret Wars. So yeah. one of my favorite, one of my other favorite pages is when Spider-Man's about to die. Peter Parker is going to save himself, going to sacrifice himself to save the world, mm -hmm. uh, and he imagines talking to Mary Jane. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mary Jane's like, it's okay, we'll be okay. And I, mm -hmm. I love that sequence so much. Man, uh, the, oh my god, making. Make, oh, making Ben Riley the new Uncle Ben at the end yeah. to like radicalize his kids 
like, ah, oh, so full, full circle of poetry, right? And then, um, getting killed in this book. Yeah, dude. And then what was the, uh, what was the? Oh yeah, so Doctor Doom took over the world at the at the Civil War. Yes. Because yeah. uh, he's just like you know what happens when heroes fight, villains win. Yeah. Yep. I, I for, a second, for a second I thought it was referencing the original Old Man Logan because Doom controls a lot of the United States. But mm -hmm. I'm like, it's definitely not in the future weird like that. So I think it's just Doctor Doom. I, whatever was happening at this time period uh, in Marvel. Also, if you're familiar with Mark's art. Yeah. especially from Ultimate Spider-Man, you know that when he's drawing Peter in the last uh, issue, he's drawing him to look like Uncle Ben. Yeah. He yeah, looks yeah. a lot like Mark's interpretation of Uncle Ben. Yeah, it's dude. not an accident. If you're familiar with the artwork, you know exactly what he's doing. Oh, man. And then the dream at the dream at the end? Yeah, yeah. when he uh, stops the robber? Because it's him talking about the robber and then you see an image that, like, I thought it was supposed to be Uncle Ben at first because that's how familiar I am with when he draws Uncle Ben. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh, that's Peter. Yeah, shit. Um, that's some really good stuff. I really like it a lot. I like this this Peter who kind of got to become uh, this person. Yeah. Of course, he's only, like, gets to be the person he wants to be in, like, the last mm, 15 years of his life, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I do like the way a lot of this plays out. I especially like the, the use of Aunt May's uh, power over Otto oh. to bring back his heart and soul. Yeah. Um, I think that's really useful and, and awesome. Um, and then I, I also really like that in this version, Miles feels tainted by knowing that Otto is going around in his costume and he doesn't feel right wearing it. Yeah. And Peter's died and it's like, yo, you're Spider-Man, wear the outfit. And Miles gets to wear the real Spider-Man outfit, which outfit. is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really appreciate that. And then the end is like, uh, this dream turned out really well, and he stops the robber in the dream, and that's the end of the story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is I legitimately this is the best Spider-Man book come out in a really long time. Um, and, and just like it makes me, it makes me want more of these like life stories for other characters. But like, I don't want to ruin Spider-Man's life story because it like I would love an Iron Man version of this where you actually get to see Tony Stark be an asshole. But I, I, I don't want it to conflict with this book. Maybe it doesn't have to. Maybe you can still tell the same story and just include Spider-Man when he's there. But man, I really want these these more like not realistic. Let's analyze like a it is realistic. It's yeah. a realistic interpretation of like if these heroes aged yes. through the years that we have written them, yeah. what would that look like? Because I would uh, love to see Tony Stark. Man, like if because this is this is hard on Tony and Reed. What if you have a whole book where your main guy is a arms manufacturer? Like actually make that book. I mean, this is a this is a whatever happened to the world of tomorrow in a sense of a Spider-Man. Yeah. Um. This is this is him getting to have a full life story. Yeah. And it is interpreted from that uh, veil of like we say uh, we talked about a lot where you know they're not allowed to necessarily do this as much where the consequences really matter. Yes. And growth really happens with the characters and you're able to see that in a glimpse here with Spider-Man and it's kind of shitty because honestly when you look at the big events in Spider-Man's life they really mess him up. Um, and so it can be a little bit of a depressing read sometimes, oh, yeah. but that, but these are all the things that, that Peter did go through that eventually get undone or altered or forgotten or changed or whatever. But here it all matters and it all happens. And Peter still strives to be a good person through it, even when he's not the best. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like, um, uh, I really like this costume. If I can, if I can show it up, uh, I really like superheroes with collars. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think that costume. I really like the costume design in this one. I really like the art. So this one. I like the the space outfits the, for the space Spider-Man. 
Oh, when he's the half black, the half black, the half yeah. spider. I like that too. Yeah, yeah all these good ones. All, all, all of them are great. Yeah. I mean, you got that big splash page where he's fighting the imagination of the Sinister Six. Yeah. And it's all the different costumes of him over the decades. Because he's like, he's like, yeah, I got an army. He's like, yeah, I got my own army too, baby. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so it's, there's some really great Spider-Man costumes in there. I like, uh, I like in the second issue when we get like the slight little bit of armor added on to him. Yeah. Uh, more like silver gauntlet pieces. Yeah. Mark Bagley is absolutely the best like Spider-Man artist. The way he's like, he's always like, like lanky like he's like he's like a spider he's very long yeah i love it he he does fantastic work with uh spider-man uh all the characters i i think he puts a lot of heart on the page yeah. uh in all of them which is incredible to see um yeah i just i i think this is really cool um it's it's a nice little you get to have just this this idea of i i think the the best thing is them having to face the ramifications of the things that happen in our real world, like Vietnam. I think the way that's tackled is really well done, uh, that it is a wrestling point for them about what's the right thing to do when you don't believe in the cause. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> that comes back to all the heroes uh, later on is really well done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't expect it to go so deep on that, and I really enjoy that. Same. Yeah. I um, Chip Zdarsky, man, like, that dude got famous drawing sex criminals. And now mm -hmm. he's one of the premier Marvel writers. And I was like, that dude's dripping with talent. Good for him. I love yeah. him. And uh, yeah. they, don't say, they don't say what happens to Helen, right? We just don't see her again. Helen Parker? Nope. That, no. Oh, no, she's kind of just partner. Yeah, yeah, she's just, yeah. I assume she does. I was actually going to actually ask about that because the next time we see Ben, um, he's alone. He's alone. Yeah, I assume so it's, it's never it's never talked about. It's never said. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I really like it. I really like it as a way that Peter and MJ kind of come together. Um, it is brutal. Something that doesn't happen, really. Uh, it is brutal to watch Peter deal with May going through dementia. Oh, all yeah. yeah. That, that's rough. Doesn't yeah. she call Mayor Jane Gwynn? Yes. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. man, that's... Oh, man. That's rough. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Hell of a book. Yeah, really great book. Really glad we read this one. Uh, Sparks, it's your turn next week. Yeah, man, we're gonna read Spider-Man Life Story by. Oh shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Check Instagram. I don't know what we're gonna read. We'll figure okay. it out. We'll check. We'll, uh, watch our Instagram uh, for this week. All right, guys. Next week, I don't know an American pickle. Um. So we'll <laughs> see. I want to watch it. But let's see what else we got. Yeah, it's, it's on HBO Max on uh, on August sixth, guys. American Pickle. Uh, yeah. Um, so we're, we're gonna come up with something. Um, I know we're gonna talk about Umbrella Academy season two somewhere, but it's probably gonna be a big nerd's watch. We'll see. So stay tuned for all of that. As uh, as Spark said, we have a fake nerd's watch series. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, please check out, check out our other channels. Um, we have our other, not our other channels, but our other shows. We have Fake Nerds Watch, which we may be talking about. Umbrella Academy. We did The Mandalorian. We did Watchmen, both Emmy nominated. You always forget the one you are on, Brandon. Mandalorian? Picard. Oh, I did a series with Picard and Downright Nerdy. <laughs> I always forget too. <laughs> I did a series with Downright Nerdy for Picard. That's right. Uh, not any Emmy nominated. No. Oh, wait. Maybe, I think I got a couple Emmys. Maybe. I don't know. Um, uh, but yeah, I did, I did do that. Uh, Sorry, downright nerdy. Um, I'm wearing your shirt. Does that make up for it? Um, yeah. So you know, maybe, uh, he and I have talked about doing other fictions watch. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with 
we got 23 weeks of Star Trek coming up. Um, <laughs> Basement Arcade uh, is our other show. We just finished Mortal Kombat 9. Uh, more coming. Um, there you go. Uh, so check out all all that. And then we also have our new show, Figure Book Club, which we just did episodes on Wasted Space, a comic book that was a lot of fun to read. Um, and The Pride, a comic book that, well, we're not continuing with it. Um, so check out those episodes up right now. Four episodes of our new show, Picture Book Club. Um, and we also have an upcoming episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Volume 1. Do we stick with that one? Watch and see. Um, we also have a Michael Morisi interview coming up. Uh, stay tuned. That'll drop us sometime. I oh. got my shift covered that day, so I'm going to be on it. Nice. Um, assuming that it's also there. Hey, 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 hey. It's COVID, baby. Yeah. Um, so, guys, uh, like and subscribe to this channel. Find those videos. A lot of cool stuff on here. We just we just keep on giving. We're the podcast that keeps on giving, whether you want us to or not. Um, we also have a Funko. No, we don't. Sorry, we don't have a Funko affiliate anymore. Uh, that contract expired. No. Well, hey, if you guys like Funkos, just go buy them at the store. Just, yeah. just do it. I mean, it's not going to help us. And then send us 1% of that. Yeah. Guys, just buy them on the secondhand market. I mean, the Black Lightning Funko is at least $200. That's not uh, that bad. Anyway. So, it's uh, so, yeah, we're not a Funko affiliate anymore. Uh, but we do have a Patreon and we do have a T Public if you'd like to support us financially. Um, our Patreon still has our two tiers up. Thank you, Zoe, Zoe, Zoe John. Joey's yeah. on. <laughs> Joey's on Love for doing, uh, for doing. Uh, oh, and have a good week to you, Bye, Meg. Bye. Thanks for um, stopping. So you know we have a bunch of cool stuff on our T Public. We got no, we don't have the shirt, but we got a bunch of cool shirts that I I, I just recently bought a lot of our shirts um, because I like my, I'm a shill for my own merchandise. Whatever. <laughs> um, we got the Figner Book Club logo is up there, designed by Mike Rotolo. Um All those links are in the description below. And we also have a website. You can find that website at www.fakenerpodcast.com. Everything's there. You can find everything we are, everything we got there. We also still have our our Fakener podcast masks. Pinky's out. Bought one. Thank you, Ken. Signed by me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, uh, that was dumb, but hey, I did it. Nah, Brandon is the most important member. He's our leader. You're, you're saving lives. He he to, he told he. He messaged us. He messaged us like, "Can I can I get signs?" Like, it would just be my signature, but sure. Not the years. He'll collect all four. Yeah, there you go. Come gone. to conventions. Um, we'll have a booth anyway. Uh, so yeah, we're still selling some of those. We got we got plenty more. Um, guys, let's beat this thing. Let me see my friends. Um, and thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches. We greatly appreciate all your support over the years. Um, thank you to Jeremy Bellucci. New music is coming, guys. Stay tuned. Oh, yeah. Not intro music. That's that's I like that too much to make it go away. <laughs> um, th- you can find him at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards, um, and uh, he you know he does our theme music and our intro music. He also does a podcast called Suburban Proctologist. Uh, nine episodes out now. Check that out on iTunes, Facebook.com/slash Suburban Proctologist Official, or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. I mentioned you up top uh, a little before, Mike Matola. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, for our now three logos, Miscellaneous, Victor Book Club, and uh, whatever this show is called. Um, <laughs> you can find him at Fake Nerd Podcast. Um, thank you to everyone. Thank you, everyone. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast, Fake Nerd Guys at gmail.com. 
Then you can touch us personally. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter, Sparks. Uh, you can find me probably reading some other comics that are not X-Men because I caught all the way up on X-Men. Until Wednesday. Uh, until Wednesday. Uh, at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Right. And think about how Transformers disappointed me. <laughs> you can right. find me at DJ Tony Snark. Um, I don't know if I want to stream Avengers stuff or I want to make like a specific video for Avengers uh that game coming out we'll find out we'll find out on thursday so oh, yeah uh we have to come up with new basement arcade too we're working on it no I, yeah it's coming soon there you go avengers yeah. will be a special yeah, you can find me playing video games at BenMagna27 on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing about video games at OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. Like I said earlier, my review of Panzer Paladin is in the link in the description below. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio. If you are uh, watching this, thank you for watching. Like and subscribe. Uh, like this channel. Subscribe to this channel. Like this video. Uh, do all the cool stuff. Rate and review wherever you get us if you're listening. Uh, until next week, up. guys. What did you say? Thanks for staying up late, all these people. You're oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. And uh, until.